The electric chair no longer supports nor participates in the Horror Palace Network. It's the electric chair, home-style brain surgery. Welcome, everybody, to the second episode of The Electric Chair. My name is Midnight Corey, and here we are on the Horror Palace Network. I'm really excited about this show. This is going to be fantastic. Wonderful things coming your way, man. Just sit back and enjoy. First of all, I have a very special guest. His name is Franklin from Cypher Films. This guy is a filmmaker, has the production company Cypher Films, and is amazing. I sat down with him for a couple hours the other night. And man, we talked movies, we talked the paranormal, um, we talked about his films, and then we reviewed two movies. We're going to be talking about Bloodsucking Freaks, 1976, and I Spit on Your Grave. Uh, technically, you know, officially we talked about the remake, the 2010 remake, but we also do talk a lot about the original from 1978 as well. So, man, that is fantastic. I can't wait for you to hear that. And i uh, got to thank Franklin for coming on the show. He's an amazing, amazing person. On top of that, I'm going to review two new horror movies, relatively new. They're ones that uh, have come out here within the past year or two. Uh, the first one's going to be a zombie movie, or so I had the impression. Um, it's called Devil's Playground 2010. And then I'm also going to be talking about another very low-budget horror movie called Camel Spiders. Ooh, 2011. All right, well, yeah. Got some stuff I want to talk about. Um, and first of all, there's a site out there called Run For Your Lives. Uh, I don't know if you check this out. It's at runforyourlives.com. And it's a whole zombie thing. And the gist of it is that they hold these 5K races these obstacle races all across the country. And there are a lot scheduled. And if you go to the website, runforyourlives.com, you can find a city close to you and actually sign up and participate in this. But it's some kind of like obstacle course 5K thing. And you have these flags attached to you and you try to get through it as quickly as possible. But the thing is, you got zombies chasing you. And uh, they have to try to grab your flag, and that's how you lose your health points, because the flags are each one of your health points. And you can pick up bonuses along the way, I guess. And it, it sounds really, really interesting. So not that I'm the kind of person that I'm not a runner or anything like that. So I, you know, I probably wouldn't do anything like this. But um, the reason I'm talking about this is I just found out this crazy promotion contest thing that they're running where you can get your funeral paid for. And all you have to do is like sign up on the on the website, and then uh, you have to agree to have this inscription. And I can't remember what the inscription is, but it's something something crazy. And so you put this on your tombstone, you sign up, and then they'll give you like five grand towards your funeral. So this is especially important if you're planning on dying soon, which there are probably a lot of you out there that just want to die here really soon. So if you're thinking about that, this is a great way to get it paid for. I mean, funerals are expensive. And it's, it's, you know, kind of tough when you think you got to leave that burden to uh, your loved ones. So go check it out. That's at runforyourlives.com slash funeral. Thought it was really interesting, really funny. I signed up because you never know. Not that I plan on dying soon. You know, I'd, I'd like to live for a while. But uh, I don't know. Go check it out. <laughs> uh, so I was on Facebook and uh, I'm looking around and uh, my man, Misfit Boy, 
uh, started posting all these great links, these videos the other day. And uh, I was checking them out and I thought I'd bring some to your attention because they're very interesting and they're kind of in reference to a lot of what's going on horror movie wise. Um, he posted the first teaser trailer for Night of the Living Dead 2012. And I know a lot of you are moaning and groaning out there. Why are they remaking this movie again? Why? Oh, why, Lord, why? And, uh, you know, I'm not the kind of person that's just going to immediately dismiss a remake because it's a remake. And I've talked about that a lot before. But there are a lot of haters out there, especially because this has been remade several times. And you don't know what the quality of any of these is going to be. But the cool thing about this one, I'm seeing a lot of cool names attached to it. Um, I think Jim Crutt, uh, the helicopter zombie from Dawn of the Dead, is somehow involved in this. I keep seeing pictures of him. Um... Uh, Crawford, um, um, Crawford, the guy that uh, played in Dawn of the Dead, and oh, so terrible. His name is uh, escaping me right now. I, I just I spoke with him at Cinema Wasteland and uh, the Erie Horror Film Festival and uh, other places several times. Uh, he's involved in it. Uh, Michael Graves is making a cameo, and you know there are a lot of a lot of decent names in this. So you know it, it might end up being pretty cool. I'm I'm certainly gonna follow it, and I'm certainly gonna see it. Give it a shot, but there's a, there's this teaser trailer out on YouTube. It's uh, actually pretty cool, so uh, I'm going to post the link to that and let me know what you think of them remaking Night again and uh, what you think this one's going to turn out to be. And there's a lot of going on about uh, this on Facebook as well, and you can check that out, I'm sure. But yeah, watch the trailer. Uh, Misfit Boy also posted uh, another trailer for Wreck 3 Genesis. And I'm super excited about this. You know, I loved Wreck and Wreck 2. There are going to be at least like four or five of these, as far as I understand. Um, and now Wreck 3 could be called Wedding of the Dead, apparently. This looks great. This looks great. And I'm really happy because uh, I saw another uh, zombie wedding kind of movie. You know, the wedding happens and a zombie outbreak happens during the wedding. And they tried to do that, which I think is a great kind of a juxtaposition of something very beautiful and then something very horrific happening at that that very beautiful moment. Um, and this movie, I can't remember what it was. I'm thinking it was like a Middle Eastern film, but it wasn't very good. It just wasn't, I don't know, it wasn't very interesting and stuff. And so I was kind of bummed out because I, I really want a good zombie wedding movie, you know? And Wreck 3 seems to have this going on. And from what I can tell... It uh, seems to be utilizing both the found footage and conventional shooting style. So, you know, you're getting a little bit of both. And I, again, the found footage thing is say what you will, but it works. It works a lot of time, especially in Wreck and Wreck 2. I thought it worked. And uh, it looks like they're going to at least continue that to an extent in Wreck 3. So, yeah, that was the second trailer. There's, a, there's another trailer out there as well that you can find. But I'll post the link to that and it uh, looks really great. So let me know what you think of that. Um, Misfit Boy also posted this fantastic video and I haven't actually been able to watch it yet because it's an hour and a half long. It is on YouTube. You can watch it for free. But this was a documentary that originally aired on the History Channel called Zombies, a Living History Documentary. And uh, it actually has to do with the what ifs and kind of the real life, I guess, um, implications and uh, kind of where the zombie thing draws from in reality and goes into it. Misfit Boy had really high recommendations for this. And of course, Misfit Boy's into it. I'm going to be into it, too. So, uh, <laughs> you know, that's just that's just the kind of understanding we have. 
But uh, no, no. So that is on YouTube, like I said, free to watch. Uh, so uh, really interesting. I will be watching it here very soon and, and hopefully talking about it on the show here. But uh, if you're a zombie fan, man, you're going to be all about that. Um, one more trailer that I found for an upcoming movie. And the trailer looks great. Uh, it looks like it's going to be a fantastic movie as far as the production. And it uh, looks like some, some you know decent actors. Um, this is for a slasher movie called Smiley, and it's apparently upcoming. I can't find out a lot of really detailed information about it, but uh, there's a trailer on YouTube. I'll give you the link for that. And it's IMDb description. I'm just going to rip this right off of IMDb. Um, it says, After learning of an urban legend in which a demented serial killer named Smiley can be summoned through the internet, Mentally fragile Ashley must decide whether she is losing her mind or becoming Smiley's next victim. <laughs> and it looks really cool. It looks really cool. It does. And I'm very interested in this. And again, I have no idea really how the, how the movie's going to be, but they made a great trailer. Yeah, a great trailer for this. And, um, you know, there, it seems to be really well made. So check it out. And if anybody out there has any more information about Smiley, I'd, I'd surely like to know. I'm very, very interested in that film. So, there you go. Leave me comments in uh, the show notes on horrorpalace.com or, uh, you know, however. You can uh, contact me, you know, through Twitter at uh, Weekly Horror and things like that. So, very interesting. So, let's run with things right now. I bring to you my interview, my wonderful discussion with a great person, Franklin from Cypher Films. Explorers in the further regions of experience. Demons to some... Angels to others. Well, my guest right now is a producer, a director, a writer from New York. Welcome, Franklin from Cypher Films. Welcome, my friend. Hi, Corey. Thank you for having me here. Absolutely. It's great to talk to you tonight, and it's great to meet you. Um, Cypher Films, man. Tell me about that. Uh, kind of what's the background on it, and uh, what, are you, what are you guys getting into? Well, I, I basically went to high school and college um, kind of like the fame schools, you know, mm. well, I guess it would be the glee schools now, <laughs> right, right. <laughs> but, uh, I went to those kind of schools. So like I had a lot of friends when I was growing up and we all did different arts and I was a costume designer and a set designer. And basically what happened was I realized that I could direct, I could work for other people or I could create my own productions. And when, in 1997, when I got out of college, I got a group of my friends who we graduated with and we realized that we all had the pieces to create a production. So we did, and that's the idea of behind Cypher. Um, okay, in Brooklyn, Cypher has a different kind of meaning. It's a group of people all getting together to do stuff. Interesting. <laughs> uh, yeah, mm. and uh, yeah. Okay, I cool. have no idea what you're talking about. All right, good. Officially, People in Brooklyn actually kind of do, but I don't know how what your rating on your show is. So I don't want to get too raw. Dude, we're, we're explicit, like whatever goes. So, you know, oh, great. it's all good. So when people are smoking pot in uh -huh. a circle, it's basically called a cypher. Ah, okay. You know, yeah. I think I've heard that in uh, Half-Baked, actually. Oh, great. I think so, if you've ever seen that, that's, uh, yeah. You know, I love that movie. <laughs> <laughs> so basically the idea is that, but it's also just you're building with knowledge. You know, you're, you're talking to, uh, to each other and everyone is connected and everyone is an equal part. Mm -hmm. So in when I started the company, like what, 14 years ago or something, uh, we started with a bunch of people and we all did 
all the different parts that we could do. Like I was a graphic artist and a designer, other people like, you know, wrote music and were musicians. So we all came together and we were able to just, you know, I believe that like you can make a production with like money and time and people, but if you have people with a lot of heart, you can get by without the other, one of the other two. And usually we don't have the money. So we have time and people with a lot of heart. Interesting. Yeah, you're exactly right, man, because that's where all the greatest indie horror, you know, low budget kind of horror, you know, do you consider yourself like a low budget or do you consider yourself like indie? Like kind of where do you where do you fall? Is low budget like a bad thing necessarily? No, I consider myself, to be honest, and I'm a no budget. man. <laughs> <laughs> like basically when I when I made this film, it was like uh, about a year after I had made my other film or released my other film but it was like four years after I shot the other film. Oh, wow. So it was a long downtime. And I really felt like I just wanted to write something that me and my friends can just get done and do with what we had. So I based a film in my apartment, in my building, my apartment building. And I'm a, you know, a paranormal to TV junkie. And so basically that was the basis behind the film. I thought, I, I love this stuff. Let me get behind that. And... Well, let me go back a little further. About uh, four years ago, six years ago, I was living in Boston with my girlfriend and we're asleep one night. And I feel like, well, all I can say is a presence about a foot or two above me. And I'm like, but I really feel this. And I start to slowly wake up, but I don't open my eyes. And I say in my head, I'm going to open my eyes. You probably don't want to be there. Now, I don't think anything of it, but wow. I feel a gust of wind move to my left. And I'm like, what the hell? <laughs> so now I open my eyes, okay? And I look to my left, and to my left is my doorway. And in my doorway is what the best I can describe is a taller, thinner Benjamin Franklin in colonial dress with bifocals and everything, all right? Long, stringy hair. Um, but doesn't look threatening, but he's looking at me. I'm looking at him. He's all completely white, dude, but like gradations that delineate like where his folds were, buttons were. I'm talking incredible detail. All right. But everything is white. Now he's semi translucent. Okay. But I'm a filmmaker. So I notice in my room, in well, my girlfriend's room, nothing is reflecting on the wall or on the floor. And the light in the bathroom that's you can see from the crack between the door is shining through him. So I can see other light in my dimension through him. Wow. Right? So now I'm just like, I'm staring at him. This is about five minutes now. Okay? I'm up in my bed staring at this man. I put my arm and I touch my girl. I don't say a word, dude. I swear. I don't say a word. I touch my girl. She wakes up and says... Who's the man in white at the door? No way. Now, that's what I'm thinking. So I turn my head now. I'm like, oh, my God. And as soon as I turn back, he's gone. Wow. The whole time, I'm like, oh, my God, I could have talked to you. I could have done anything. Oh, my God. <laughs> but for some reason, my girl seeing it just made it so real to me, you know? Yeah, it validated it, man. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. You know, 
and God bless that she saw it because then it was like, all right, I'm not a crazy person, you know. <laughs> well, before you said that, I, I was going to be like, well, did this have to do anything with the cipher at all? You know, is this maybe? Yeah, you know, is that... <laughs> I, exactly. No, no, no. But that's <laughs> wow. You're kind of creeping me out here, man. That's, Ooh, that's it. Man. Creeped me out. So then I started thinking, okay, I'm going to start writing this because, like, one, I had to translate what I saw visually to this, mm. you know. And then I started thinking, okay, why was this guy looking like this? He was so non-threatening to me. And if he didn't look exactly the way he looked, he might have been incredibly threatening to me. You know, it's like you hear about shadow ghosts, you know. Now, if he was a shadow ghost, I don't think I would have had the same reaction. Right. So now like, it made me wonder, why do some ghosts come by like this? And why do some ghosts come like that? So the, all these thoughts led to the creation of this film. Wow. And that is Death is No Escape. It's, it's your, your newest project, uh, yes. I would assume, that uh, right now you're just having screened and you're kind of awaiting uh, distribution and kind of, you know, checking out those channels right now. So this is a really exciting film. And, you know, unfortunately, I haven't been able to watch it yet. But, but tell me about this. Um, what happens? And it's, it's based on this experience. So yeah. um, where, does this, I mean, where does this take place? Well, it takes place in Brooklyn, and it starts off with a young couple. And the kid wants to be on a TV show called UGH, Urban Ghost Hunters. All right. And he wants to get them to come and peep his haunt. So he's searching around his basement. He kind of tricked his girlfriend into coming, and he finds a ghost. Right. And like, you know, hijinks ensue. And uh, basically, he puts, he sends in the video and they win. So they win this $25,000 contest. They bring the whole crew in. Everyone's all excited. Then the crew gets into the basement and starts to realize that this isn't like orbs and like little <laughs> bits of flashes of light. This is some business and we are way over our heads. Now, the producer's like, listen, We've been doing this contest all year. It's like, we can't not do it. So they get locked in. And very shortly, they realize that the things that they're seeing, they can't debunk. Hmm. And the things that they're hearing can't be explained. And then they start to see things that absolutely terrify them. Now, as they start to go through the film, things from their own personal backgrounds start to manifest into their realities. And that's when the film gets really screwed up. Awesome. Yeah. And meanwhile, they're all trying to hide everything that's manifesting. And they're locked oh. into this thing. Yeah. Because sometimes your darkest secrets, you don't want to even explain even your darkest moments, you know? Yeah. Oh, man. Yeah. That, that sounds wild. Yeah, like... Man. The thing about this film that I've been, I mean, I, this is my fifth film and I've never had reactions from people this way. Like I've had people who are like, I don't like horror movies. I can't watch it. I'm too scared. And they watch it and they say they're terrified and they're terrified because I hear them screaming, <laughs> but they can't stop watching it. And they say it to me is because even the ghosts are characters you want to know about. That's cool. That's cool. You know, so it's like, 
And I don't know, it was my curiosity, I guess, about the, the experience that happened to me that I didn't just create um, like bad guys. Mm. I created a bad scenario. Mm, yeah. Yeah, and you, you leave it up for, to, the, to the viewers to kind of draw their own conclusions about what's yes. really going on here and what is really bad, what's good. That's, that's really cool. So you're, not, uh, you're really relying on a lot of the intelligence of the audience. Oh, yeah. Cool. Yeah. This is not like, actually, it's definitely not like the films that I see mostly coming out now. Mm-hmm. That it just seems like, I feel like I, I'm not challenged when I'm watching a film anymore. Yeah, I agree. Okay. Thank you. Thank you. Absolutely. I didn't want to insult, I don't want to insult people because, you know, I mean, a lot of people like the, the hostels and things like that. And, yeah. You know, and they're good for what they are, but it's it's nothing compared to a Halloween, you know? Right, right. You leave a lot of questions up in the air, man. You know, you don't have to spell things out for everybody every single time, and you don't have to show them every single uh, stab of the knife, you know? A lot of it can be implied. A lot of oh. the stuff can be implied. People aren't dumb. They can fill in the blanks most of the time. You just have to be smart as a storyteller. Exactly. And dude, when I found out, and I think it was in the Texas Chainsaw Massacre, that you don't ever see any actual blood violence on the screen. Isn't that crazy? Yeah. It's like, wait, re- what? <laughs> <laughs> you know, you got to go back and watch. And it's like, really? I, oh my God, that was brilliant. And people always talk about how brutal and how gory that movie is, Texas Chainsaw, that was so, oh, it's so mm-hmm, terrible. Mm-hmm. And man, seriously, if you watch it, again, it's up to the great uh, efforts of the filmmakers, man, to be mm-hmm. great storytellers and be able to imply so much that you see that in your brain. You see it. Yes. But you, you're not seeing it on the screen. It's and what's brilliant. scarier than something that's in your head? Yes. Yes. Oh, you know, I like to play with that too. And like all my films, even the ones that aren't horror, I like to play with reality and what is real and what's not real. And because, okay, here's one of my main things. I believe that everything you experience in your mind or in reality shapes the way you look at the world, you know? So if you dream, and it was a very powerful dream, if something that's familiar to that dream happens in real life it's going to be you're gonna you're gonna react to that as if you know the dream influenced your reality reaction do you see where i'm going with that exactly exactly so i think what happens in your mind is a lot more intense Mm -hmm. than what i mean it's as intense as what happens in reality right yeah man that is that is really cool really cool that you're doing that and very smart you're like a you're you're a very thinking kind of filmmaker and 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 uh, a fan of films that oh, you yeah. really got to think about and stuff. Yeah. So you look at Halloween and Halloween is far from mindless, but th- there are some critics out there that just find it, you know, is is mindless. Horror. Oh my god. Yeah, but there's so much there to chew on, you know. Just, people, people are still just, talking about it. Of course, even just just what would have created the mind of a Michael Myers. Mhm. You know, like just that thought alone could be films for days you oh, know yeah. it, and it's like and people are i guess i guess because they're afraid of going away from the formula to make money and stuff like that they're afraid to take chances right you know so i don't know i think that you, you should take chances in film if you're gonna do it you might as well have a visceral reaction to it yeah 
Yeah. Now, now, why do you make horror? You know, you gravitate that way, man, and and you, you know, you seem to do a lot of it. You know, what's stopping you from maybe doing some comedy or maybe some drama or something out of the horror genre? Why do you why do you gravitate towards that? Why why horror? Uh, I gotta say that this, I don't know. I gotta, I gotta say that it's fun to make people laugh, and I use that a lot in this film. But there's something about making someone afraid that is so much more powerful. Like if you can make me afraid in a film, I think that's a lot scarier and it stays with me personally longer than if you can make me laugh. Like if you can, I mean, making me laugh is fun, but there's a lot of things. I mean, I watch someone fall down, I'm gonna laugh. <laughs> right. <laughs> and I'll laugh a long time. <laughs> you and me both, yeah. You know, but it takes a lot to like, make someone scared and I don't, I don't do things in the film where it's like I'm just gonna rip someone's skin off and torture you in the audience you know I'm not doing that you know I'm making you afraid of what you think and what you're thinking is happening and could happen and that's what sticks with you man yes I mean I, I can remember when years ago I mean when I was like six years old or even before that things that scared me you know like Michael Jackson's thriller Man, seeing that seeing that video just Dude. completely messed with me, and it affected me even up until this day. I can remember hiding around the corner when I was a kid. Do you remember what about that video scared you? Exactly, I exactly. I, I dreamt for not even dreamt for weeks. I was seeing Michael Jackson's yellow eyes on uh, my roof. Exactly. That's that's mine right there too. For days, I would see this mm -hmm. thing. I couldn't close my eyes and not see his eyes. It was yep. like, oh, God. And you know what's another movie that did that? This is very obscure. Uh, I think it was called Night of Dark Night of the Scarecrow. Oh, yeah. Great you movie. You remember this? Yeah. Oh, my God. Okay. Now, the terror in his close-up of his eyes when yes. they, right before they were about to do what caused him to be the Dark Knight. Yeah. Yeah. All right. That Tara in his close-up of eyes did the same thing Michael Jackson did to me. Exactly. Yes. For weeks, dude, mm -hmm. I was a little kid. Like, I would make my parents let me stay up at 3 in the morning watching some stupid cartoon videos. Because <laughs> we didn't have the Cartoon Network back then. Oh, yeah. You know, so it was like, oh, God. What are you? So I had, like, videos. Like, my sister had strawberry shortcake, and I'd watch that crap <laughs> just to try to fall asleep, you know? Yeah. Oh, that's that's hilarious. And, you know, on the flip side of that, we were thinking, you know, talking about making a comedy movie or something like that. Can you think of one thing that really made you laugh right around that time that is is so strong an emotion? No, as not as a child. Not yeah, at all. Exactly. Not at all. I can't think of one thing that I laughed the way I was scared for weeks. Exactly. Exactly. And that's another thing. Things you laugh at, you'll laugh maybe the second time you hear it third. There's nothing that's going to stay with you for weeks. That's just it. I mean, it affects you on a, on a level that nothing else does. Yeah. And, uh, and it's weird. Like, even, like, with me writing the characters, when you, you put them on paper, right, and I believe that the script is a skeleton. I'm not like, like a Woody Allen or where every word I'm in love with, you know? Mm -hmm. And, like, I liked them when I wrote them, and the people loved them when they read the script to come join me. But then I feel like once the characters start happening, they become alive, mm -hmm. and other things come out that's not in the script. You know, and there are characters, there are actually whole characters that have developed since the script. And I find that those even more than the ones that I wrote 
tend to scare me because it was almost like they willed themselves to happen. Wow, that's cool. Yeah, it's really freaky, you know? Wow, yeah. Yeah. Oh my God, did I tell you that the location we filmed in was haunted? Like for real haunted? It's no Okay, I wasn't sure at first, right? Yeah. (laughs) But like I had known that the space had a history of a death in in the space. A woman died of an overdose and it was kind of like a curious thing. The cops never really, basically, there's a story behind it that's not very talked about. Let's put it that way. Huh. Yeah. I made a little featurette. You can actually find it on YouTube. It's called Audine, the Ghost That Haunts My Basement, my studio. Cool. And, yeah. And basically, the, the thing was that a few of the actresses, and only the actresses, the adult actresses, none of the children actresses and none of the actors, but only the adult actresses, when they first came into the space, for the first few weeks, they were very uncomfortable. Like, to the point where some of them would ask me if the place was haunted. And I wouldn't say anything about any of the past history, because you don't really want to give any person a reason to stop being in a production halfway through, <laughs> yeah. you know? So, but like after the film was done, there was so many, I feel someone looking at me, I feel this and like just little weird freak accidents, like somebody running into something and busting their head, someone else going to help and like busting their head, like just little foolishness like that happening. So finally at the end of the shoot, I told everybody what happened, right? <laughs> wow. It was all about like, I know, I know it, I knew it, I knew it. So just this week okay just this week on friday friday night we did a screening in the space okay so we set up the whole space as a screening room we do private screenings there cool yeah and one of the audience members a woman okay says that she felt her chair being kicked and i'm like but there's nobody sitting behind you okay and the, the screening goes on and I keep seeing her looking around, and I'm like, what the fuck is going on with her? <laughs> right? She tells me after the screening that in the left, I'm sorry, the right corner of the screening room, she kept seeing a figure appear and disappear, and appear and disappear. Oh, no one man. else saw that, only her. And I'm there, and I'm paying attention, because I'm looking at everybody's reactions. I saw nothing. But she was absolutely sure that she saw this. Oh, man. Yeah. That's crazy. I don't know what to say about that one. (laughs) Man. Yeah. If anybody who listens to you is in the New York area, feel free to come down. Oh, wait. We should pitch the website. Yeah. Uh, Go down to www.cypherproductions.com. That's C-Y-P-H-E-R. Productions with an S dot com. And you you can sign up for our mail email list. And you can go to Facebook and just type in Death is No Escape and you'll find it. Death is No Escape, the independent film. And you can actually request to be in one of the screenings, the private screenings. And maybe you'll see something that we could talk about. (laughs) That's crazy. I I can't wait to see it now. And and man, I'm going to kind of maybe book a flight up to New York there and maybe you can show me all this. Because this is not that I'm expecting to see like a weird paranormal thing going on, but man. 
just to Yo, just to hear some stories, you know? Yeah, dude. If you're here, I will introduce you to all the people. Oh, some of the characters in the film are based on people who live in this building, actually. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah, and like so, I introduce you to the real people, and like one of them actually uh, is his name is Joe, but in the film he's called Crazy Jack. Hmm. And <laughs> I probably shouldn't have said his real name, actually. <laughs> <laughs> you don't have to cut that out. I mean, it's like it's just uh, it's all right. Yeah, but. Uh, <laughs> But uh, yeah, he was alive when all this chaos happened with that woman who passed away in my studio. Man. Yeah. Wow. Well, well, you know, using this location, and you've shot a lot of other films and everything. Yeah. Um, do you have trouble, you know, getting permission for this? Are there crazy permits? Now, being in New York, I, I would assume you would kind of have to be careful about where you're shooting and, and, and things. Do you have to get permits, or how difficult is it to kind of go around and, and shoot in the city? Well, I'm going to tell you what you already know, that everything was easy before 9-11. Oh, I'm sure. And you cannot shoot out of the streets. You can't do anything. You can't do anything. And I'm a guerrilla filmmaker, and I'll always be a guerrilla filmmaker. So the key to making films like this is being in neighborhoods where, well, honestly, it's the heart of guerrilla. Like the guerrilla, like uh, warriors and like army people. The only reason they win is because you get the heart of the community. And if you get the heart of the community involved, you can do an amazing amount of things. Like I've had an actress, and I swear to God, I've had an actress dressed in a Snow White uh, costume, carrying a Magnum 45 prop, (laughs) running down the street, stealing a gangster guy's car, throwing him out of the car, and going down the block. (laughs) You can only do that. You can only do that when you have the whole community involved. <laughs> wow. You know what I mean? Because then no one's going to call the cops. You know? Right, right. And then you get everybody watching on the other side of the camera, and it's a lot of fun, you know? Wow. Did you ever get the and, cops kind of, kind of, you know, being there by accident, or they kind of showed up and asked you what you were doing, or have you been pretty, pretty good about that? Uh, we've been pretty, pretty good about that. We actually had it once on my last film, and... Believe it or not, one of the people who were with us was a former police chief, so he really helped us out right there. Oh, that's awesome. Because <laughs> he was, like, turned actor, so he decided... To, just one of those universe helped us out one day. Yeah. But, like, we've been very lucky with that. Like, my first movie, Eyes in New York, we got uh, thrown out of the subway. Cause we, but that was before 9-11, and we had oh. actors dressed in fake cop uniforms. <laughs> oh, man. Seriously, dude. Like... <laughs> We would have been thrown in jail. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, so we got away with a lot of stuff. But now you just got to, like, be smarter and more respectful. Let's put it that way. Mm-hmm. You got to be much more mindful and respectful of the community that you're shooting in. You know, and then people will let you do it. Like, we've had a bodega who gave us space. We had local businesses who gave us space. My landlord loves what I do, so he gave me the space, you know. <laughs> Yeah. Now, I, I was just going to say, what would be the biggest piece of advice? Say somebody really wants to shoot a film, you know, make a horror film wherever they are. And right. uh, got a bunch of people together and they got a camera. They got some, you know, they got some decent stuff to work with and they really want to go out and do it. Uh, what would be your biggest piece of advice or one of the biggest pieces of advice? Something that maybe you've picked up here just through you I'll know, tell school you. hard the knocks. First, yeah. The first thing people always say is just go do it. And I don't agree with that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you go do it you're just gonna end up with crap right? uh, yeah so i don't agree with that i say figure out what you want to shoot 
like plan it out. I storyboard everything that I shoot. All right, storyboard it out. Even if you're going to use your stick figures, like if you're not an artist, storyboard it out. Write it out. Write your shop lists. Like plan everything before you even talk to one actor. All right, so then when you do get your actors, they see you as a complete package. You're, you're not going to be... A, um, the leap of faith is going to be for them to be able to do what you're asking them to do, not that you'll be able to do what you're saying. You see where I'm going with that? Right, right. You need to be the rock. So put everything on paper as much as you can to the point where you're bored. Then get the people. All right. And then, like, use your assets. Don't try to, like, do things you don't have and don't know. Use your assets. Like, whatever you have. Like, you live in a farm town in Kansas. You make a horror movie about a farm town in Kansas. You know what I mean? Like, I happen to live in Brooklyn, so I made a movie about urban ghost hunters. You see where I'm going? Yep. Absolutely. Uh, yeah, so use your assets and just be meticulously planner. That's just plan. Cool. Mm. Makes a lot of sense. And, yeah, I think a lot of people jump into it and don't do much of that. Uh, Everyone tells them not to. Right, right. They say, just, just, just do it. Just get a camera and go, you know? <laughs> And it's great because you don't want to waste time. And I understand the, the, the feeling behind that. But, like, what are you going to do? <laughs> how, do yeah. you how do you explain what you want to happen to the people who are doing it? You know, I mean, you might be the best, like, orator. But a bunch of pictures help a hell of a lot. You know what I mean? Yep. Like, I can speak. But when I have a, every frame and I show the actors where they are in the frame... They understand it. Yeah. And then the questions they have enhance the film because they're questions that don't have to do with their blocking or what's going on next or where in the film are we. They're, they're character building questions, you know? Yeah, because you have that all figured out already. You already know what's going on there. So you just exactly. concentrate on developing the character and getting them in that and having them. And I, I really liked what you said about leaving things open and while you've written a script you have their lines there you still allow them to kind of breathe a little bit and kind of mm -hmm. kind of uh, you know ad lib or kind of improv as they get comfortable and grow into those characters and they take on a life of their own which is really really cool and that's what you get to concentrate on at the time of production which is great man exactly because if you're not trying to figure out what you're doing next you actually get to see the things that are happening right there and it's like oh, yo guys try this you y'all been saying this this way let's try this you know and then you also have faith that when someone suggests something you know immediately if it can work or not mm, yeah you know because you can see how it can piece into this entire process wow yeah i love it Man, I feel the same way about writing, too. I, I feel like you need to, like, outline it out, get know what you're doing, get a be middle, beginning, and an end, and then put it together. So do, do, do you do stuff outside of script writing? Do you do, like, any kind of prose stuff or, or whatever? Or are, you, are you mainly, like, a screenwriter? Um, well, I started off as a screenwriter. That was the only writing that I did. But then uh, a few films ago, like about three films back, I started writing the lyrics to a lot of the scores and soundtracks in my films because I realized that I can, uh, I can further the story with the actual lyrics of the soundtrack, kind of sort of the way they did in the 70s. Where, yeah. You see where I'm going with that? Uh -huh. So I actually do that a lot. And sometimes I'll drop out the dialogue knowing that I'm going to put in 
what I want the character to be thinking in the song. So I do a lot of the songwriting also. Cool. Yeah. Oh, I love it. Yeah, with this film, is it was a lot of fun because this one started off with pictures, you know, and then grew into the, uh, the I mean, this the whole thing had to turn, it was just a big visual carnival because like, I, ha I drew all the sketches of what I was seeing and the ideas of the ghost. And most of it started with my actual ghost. So then a lot of that happened and I did the, uh, the entire film. We did the film, but then I lost my special effects guy. So then I had to learn how to do special effects. Oh, and no way. <laughs> yeah, you know, and like you shoot a whole film with these things in, in mind. So there's no like just not doing it anymore, you know? Right. <laughs> so then, but then I was, but then the, the beauty of that, like you just got to keep your eyes open because the universe has different ideas for you sometimes, is that I was able to translate the actual drawings that I did to the film exactly as I saw them. That's cool. So it was almost truer to your vision while By it was far. actually a hell of a lot more stress on you, I'm sure, just because oh, you got to yes. learn, <laughs> you got to learn like After Effects or whatever, yeah. you know, you, you were doing to, to make it happen. So yeah. what, so yeah. what was the, what was the post-production like on this? I mean, what did it take like exponentially longer? Cause you yes. were, you were the man on this. <laughs> wow. it, it, well, I'll tell I'll say it this way. It went exponentially longer than I had expected it to be. Mm -hmm. because I didn't expect to be doing it, you know? Yeah. So that was different. But like my last film, I had a complete CGI character, kind of like it, it was... Um, oh, wow. Yeah, he was like, his name was Moo. <laughs> and <laughs> he was a, a three-foot-tall cowman that only my schizophrenic character could see. Oh, that's great. Yeah, it sounds great. But then when you're doing that for a feature film, it's a hell. <laughs> oh, oh, I'm sure it's not easy to pull off at all. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. And they told me they could do that. And it took like three years to get that part of wow. the film done. Right. But like I shot it in 19 days. So, oh my gosh. <laughs> yeah, that was a process. So this film's post-production was nine months. So in ref and like, you know, in ratio to that, it wasn't anything, you know? Yeah. But nine months of like every day being awake and learning and learning and like never going to sleep. Like it was like maybe like passing out every once in a while and then waking up and doing the same damn thing again. And then once I learned it, it got scarier because then I realized what I'm actually doing is dealing with my film, which was hard enough, but in frames. Oh, and yeah. yeah, dude, it's like I'm looking at my film as an animator is actually looking at an animation and that was terrifying. <laughs> like that took about a, wow. about a month to realize that was what the next few months was going to be. And so like that was that's one. I think that was the scariest part of the entire film for me. Yeah. <laughs> wow. Yeah. Yeah. But surprisingly, well, I shouldn't be surprised because everything like that is working on this film. But. I've been like, people have been saying, oh, my God, who did you get to do the special effects? Oh, my God. So the special effects are turning out to be a wonderful part of the film. Cool. cool. Yeah. I my, my big fear was going to be that it, like, you know, was going to detract. And I was like, right. But no, it turned out to be that, like, I guess I knew what I saw. And mm -hmm. I, once I knew how to do it, 
everything fell into place. And you're obviously a smart guy, and you can pick up on things like this fairly easily, you know. Oh, thank uh, you. So, I mean, that's, yeah, I'm I'm not surprised that you could kind of, you know, learn it. There's obviously a learning curve and a lot of time into it. But uh, I, I would think somebody like you would really pick up and run with it a lot quicker than, you know, your average Joe. Well, I promise you, you had a lot more faith than I did. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm sure that was quite daunting, though, after, uh, you know, not ever having done it. And, you know, you kind of yeah. have a film on the line here. So, yeah. yeah but so. then now, you know, I, I got to say, looking at it, like, and especially watching it projected in the space, it's like, my God, this is exactly what I wanted. Like, and it's That's one awesome. of the rare times that you could actually say that as a filmmaker, that this is, pre- I'm presenting to you people exactly what I wanted. And you know what's funny? If you would, if, if you were a, a big, big time director, you know, yeah. you got hired to make some multi-million dollar movie out of some big fancy studio, you would not have that kind I of control. I would have the option to say that in a million years. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And what you yeah. saw showing on the screen that the audience is seeing might not be anything near what you were hoping for or intending it to be, you know, because it goes through so many layers once you get up, you know, in Hollywood and, you know, the bigger budgets and, you know, you might look at it and be disappointed. Yeah. It might be smooth and slick and, you know, looking, looking really great, but it might not be your vision originally, man. They might've really changed it. So isn't that interesting? I always feel like that must be such a nightmare to actually make crap loads of money for something you're almost embarrassed to talk about. I couldn't imagine that, you know? Like every one of my films took a lot. And, you know, in hindsight, I've grown. So I see things that I would change in all of them. But I know that that's because I've grown. At the time that I created the film and I brought it to the world, I was as proud as I could be, you know? Mm-hmm. And right now, I'm prouder than I've ever been. I couldn't imagine trying to promote this film if I didn't love it the way I did. Right. You know what I mean? Yeah. And it, you got to be that way. And that's great. That's great. I, I get I get annoyed by independent or low-budget, no-budget filmmakers who go out there and they, they put out a film, release a DVD, and they're like, well, just warning you right now, this sucks. But, you know, we made it with our friends and we had a good time and everyone, you know, we had lots of beer and whatever. And uh, here, this movie sucks, but, you know, buy it and watch it, you know, because it's by us. And that really annoys me that they kind of hide behind that and they they just they don't have the heart to come out and say, listen, this is a great film, man. I mean, you got to watch this. I mean, you know, I, I really think you have to have pride and what you're doing, don't don't put crap out there. I mean, just just exactly. love what you do. And the other sad part about that is that they really don't think it's good. And it really is just, well, I made it, so come see it. Because then it's like, why did you guys... Making even a bad film has to be hard. Exactly. You know, I mean, it's hard to make a movie. It's just what... I can't imagine many things that I'm qualified to do that could be harder. Hmm. <laughs> you know? Yeah. And... Why do it if it's not good? Or at least be proud of of the final product. You know, mm-hmm. be, you know, you can say, yeah, it has its flaws. And no, it's not perfect, you know, because, you know, we were met with this and that challenge. And this is how we did. But, man, what we came up with, I am really, really proud of. This is a great film. And that's the attitude I think you ought to have behind that. I agree with the attitude, but I got to say, I'm kind of a pit bull. And... <laughs> 
if it's not if it's not right, we not finish. You understand what I'm saying? That's cool. Yeah, it's like okay, we're not done. Like we we got into this shit. We got to finish this, man. Like you know, we don't want to put our names on something that it's like oh, it could have been better. Ah, I like that. <laughs> you know, I like that. And like this film, it's like, whew, I am so I, I I'm sorry. I don't want to even sound ego about it. it. Just like I just watched an audience watch it for the first time this weekend. You know, so I'm kind of riding high. You know. <laughs> oh, that's great. I'm glad to hear that. That's thank sick. you, thank you. I can't wait for you to watch it. Cannot wait for you to all watch right, it. All right, all right. I'm going to watch it, and I'll uh, talk about it on the show and everything. And uh, yeah, and we will have a lot of links up in the show notes where people can go and, and watch the trailer, and they can find out more about you and about Cypher Films and everything. And, mm-hmm. and um, so, yeah, yeah, this is really exciting, and, and hopefully we keep up with the news on distribution things. Maybe uh, I hear you're kind of uh, looking at some festivals and get yeah. it out there for people to watch. And uh, are you, you, I, I take it, are you looking into like a, a DVD distribution yet, or are you kind of waiting to, to run some festivals first? I'm definitely going to run the festivals first, mm-hmm. just because uh, that's kind of their mandate, you know. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to let that go. And we're going to, but in the meantime, we're going to do private screenings since we're allowed to do that. And we're going to be doing private screenings in this space, which has been so much fun. And we're going to do that and then release the DVD. In the meantime, we'll also release the soundtrack and we're going to be, I mean, the score. And then we're going to be releasing the soundtrack also. So there'll be ways for people to stay in touch with it, um, it, even if they're far away. You know, Uh, something that the fans have been doing right now is that they actually named the film. That's really cool. I forgot about that because, uh, you know, when I, I originally was uh, uh, talking about you and, and getting you on the show here, uh, it was under a different title. And then yes. I started emailing you and you're like, well, no, this is the title now because we had the fans vote on it. So yeah. what was that all about? I, I, I missed, you know, kind of how that went. Like, how did you decide to do that? Well, what happened was the original title was Ghost Hunted, right? But there's so many Ghost Hunter shows that kept happening is that people kept saying, oh, you made that movie Ghost Hunter? And oh, man. <laughs> so I started realizing I got a problem, you know? Yeah. So, so I asked the people on the Facebook page, you know, hey, what do y'all think? And some, you know, I gave a couple of responses. I gave a couple of actual choices. And people started putting their own choices. And people started voting and voting and voting. And Death is No Escape became the uh, official title. And right now there's the voting on the posters for the promotional posters and things like that. There's about 12 posters with all the different spooky moments and characters from the film. And people are voting on those now. Oh, I love it. I love getting the fans involved, you know, getting the getting the general thing, man. I mean, uh, you know, now we're in this just online life right now, mm-hmm. this online society. And it sounds like you're really taking advantage of that uh, oh my to God, really help yeah. you film along. Well, think about the cipher concept. I mean, the online world was just waiting for us because it's we want the, the communal aspect of everything that we do. I mean, we had people who produ- who helped us produce the film just by donations, you know, and they got film credits for it. And it was it's from the ground up. These people wanted the script to come to life. And it just makes you feel that much better when you realize that the audience is the reason why this film exists. Man. It's humbling. It's humbling. It really is. It really is. And again, I go back to this thing where if you somehow sold this script to like a big Hollywood 
producer or something and they went and make the movie and of course it would have transformed mutated morphed into something completely different i'm sure than than what was originally written then you'd never get this same kind of rewarding feeling and this whole communal thing like you're talking about a lot of people coming together making this thing happen and supporting it and really I don't know. You you wouldn't have got that, man. And you're Not at all. you're right where I think your your sweet spot is. Man, oh, that's... dude, I've never felt so good making movies. Yeah. And I gotta be. I gotta tell you, when you have such a large cast with no funds, it's like I mean, we had like twenty five people in this cast at least, and without funds, everyone has another job. So, mm-hmm. of all the things that took a while and was hard to do, was the scheduling. The scheduling was from the day one to the day last the last day was the hardest thing to do in this entire production i've never had anything remotely in any film that i did that was so hard to do i mean even compared to the special effects the scheduling i would do three times the special effects to not schedule this film again (laughs) i don't doubt that man that's an administrative nightmare oh my god dude oh god i mean there's six ghost hunters and they're all in the scenes together (laughs) wow and they all have real jobs. It was so hard. <laughs> Unbelievable. Yeah. yeah, dude. Yeah, I could totally get that. Mm-hmm. Man. So but well, it's gratifying. Oh, yeah. In, in the end, um, you know, like you said, you, you sound really, really proud of this. And I, I can't wait to see it. And uh, this is this is going to be great. And uh, everybody should go check out the trailer and, and read up more. Uh, cypherproductions.com. And uh, everything, you can go in the show notes and click on all the links. Because I'm going to have a lot up there for you man and uh that's really really exciting so before i mean you chose a couple movies for us to talk about here tonight and before we get into all that um is there anything else that you'd like to plug about death is no escape or about cypher or anything like that Um, actually no i just really really hope that the audience feels the same way that we feel watching this and the one audience that i've watched they do so far so let's hope you guys get to join us Awesome. And I will keep them updated on how they'll be able to do that. So, oh man, you picked you picked actually a couple great films to talk Thank about you. tonight. And I can't wait to get into this. Um, so let's just do it. The first one we're going to talk about is from 1976. And you chose Bloodsucking Freaks. Yes. Oh man, crazy no. movie. A Joel M. Reed uh, directed film. Um, so give us a little synopsis about what we're seeing here. All right. Basically, <laughs> let me go for back first. This basically is the arc of my viewing horror movies, okay? So 1976, this film. I was born in 1975. I didn't see it in 1976, obviously. But <laughs> this was one of my first horror movies because I, you know, back in the days, all your youngsters, we used to have to get our movies from video stores, <laughs> So the women who worked at my video store would let me rent any horror movie I wanted. They just didn't think it was bad. They just didn't want to be going in the porno section. (laughs) You understand where I'm going? Yep. So now, so I went through this couple of years of just watching the most grotesque, like, nude fest films that I couldn't (laughs) think of just because they had naked women in them. Uh So now... Just to give you the synopsis, there is this guy who runs this little, like, avant-garde theater of the macabre, okay? And basically, it's an S&M theater where the audiences think that they're all actresses and actors and that they're watching people fake what's happening. 
But what we know as the audience is that these people are dying in front of them. <laughs> and everything they see is just the outside stage show of the horrible, like, lair that this guy lives in. Uh, I'm looking up the name now. Master Sardou. Master Sardou. <laughs> yes. Oh, Master yeah. Sardou. <laughs> you just got to watch this film. Now, if you were a 12-year-old boy and you just wanted to see naked women, this is a great film for you. Right. If you are a classic horror freak, this film has everything. <laughs> there it is literally has everything. Yeah, Everything. Everything gets chopped off of everybody. Everyone's running around in forms of dis just disrepair. There's a midget who is amazing. <laughs> I mean, when I say amazing, he is like, you will love this midget and you think he's cooler than you. Exactly. And he probably is. Okay? <laughs> and the way Sardou gets his comeuppance, oh, Lord, oh, Lord. Now, that's the reason why I loved that film, because there's a whole line of these movies that I just rented back to back. Because <laughs> I, I could, and I was 12, you know? Yep. So that was great. Now, I think that as I grew older, I started to get into the more intricacies of horror where it was like more like i like suspense now and i like <laughs> I, I like to be scared as opposed to laugh and just be disgusted right you know like <laughs> <laughs> so did this hold up for you can you watch it like right now and still appreciate it and i guess you know the, the same way that you did back in the day you know being Maybe an adolescent and everything that's great that you asked that I had a movie night here at my, my I have like a, a turn up screening room and I had a bunch of friends, my adult friends here and we we're hanging out as a couple, you know, some couples, me, my girlfriend and a bunch of people here. And I was embarrassed. <laughs> <laughs> I can't lie. I was actually embarrassed at the joy that I was feeling watching this film. <laughs> And the fact that, like, other people were wondering why I showed them this movie. <laughs> <laughs> That's hilarious. That takes guts to show this to, like, a mixed company kind of, you know, atmosphere. Like, hey, let's oh, watch Jesus. a movie. What do you want to put in? Hey. Yeah, I got yeah. blood-sucking freaks. Let's, let's check oh, it out. God. Oh, wow. God. <laughs> I, oh, God. And here's the thing. I love the midget. So <laughs> yes. The joy on my face every time he came on screen. <laughs> It made the embarrassment grow worse. <laughs> oh, that's I, hilarious. I, it was painful, dude. Oh, it's it's don't, one of don't those. Do it. Yeah, yeah, it, but it's one of those pleasures, man. It's those shameful pleasures, yes. you know that uh, that you're into, and and this thing, it is so wrong. But yes. I love it. Man, yes. everything about it, man. Ralph oh, is the midget and just how he dances around in glee with Master Sardu at some of those uh, points. Uh, oh, man, God. Oh, whenever, like, she's going to dance, she's going to dance, and they oh, just start Jesus. dancing together, and they're just all happy. <laughs> Next scene, you know, Sardu is strapped to a rack, and he's getting whipped by a bunch of topless Wait, women. Yes. And, you yes. know... It's like, why? Oh, my God. Why is this happening to you, sir? <laughs> It's amazing. Now, One thing to but the I gotta next. admit, but I gotta admit, I have to ask you now: if that movie came out now, with real like the modern actors and modern sets and everything, do you think that film could come out? No way. 
No way. It'd have to be like a porno kind of thing. Or you know, exactly. And, you know, yeah, it, it couldn't. It, it just couldn't. And how did they pull that off? Like thirty, you know, five years ago, thirty-six years ago. And, I just uh, don't. You know, I think. I think there was also a certain amount of acceptance by the audience that this is far removed. It's like hmm. there's no realism to what you're watching in Bloodsucking Freaks. Right. It's like a grindhouse the, thing. You know, yeah. Just, yeah. Like the idea that this could happen for any extended period of time without like people like breaking them down and, you know, <laughs> sending them to jail. It's unlikely, you know. Oh. And I think even back then, people felt assured that that was unlikely. <laughs> well, do you think, and I mean, you're you're in a huge, huge city where a lot of right. things go down. Right, A lot right. of things go down. And they do. And do you think that there could be anything like this out there somewhere that is actually pulling this off without, uh, without really getting caught? Or I'm going to tell uh, you. Parts of this may be, but I doubt it, okay? But the number one part, they had the prima ballerina from, like, the Metropolitan <laughs> of New York or whatever it was. Yeah. Impossible. Uh, yeah. So, you know yeah. what I mean? It just would never ha- She would never disappear. <laughs> yeah, it, and, they, that was a little too convenient, I thought, for the, for the whole yeah, movie, that, you know? how that happened. Yeah. And, like, it was like they had very, like, rich, rich people watching this shit. And I feel like... There would be questions from the first show. Yeah. <laughs> they would have to explain how these people are not dead. Exactly. Exactly. You know? that would be, that'd be like taking like Angelina Jolie right now. Yes. You, know, you, you, you kidnap her and all of a sudden she's part of this little weird macabre sideshow, you know, S&M thing going on. And, you know, people come in and see it. And like you said, you know, big time stars and, and things that come in and see it. And they're like, oh, Angelina Jolie. She's part of this now. Huh. Yes. You know. And then you kill her. And then she's never to be seen again. <laughs> yeah. Oh, my God. Maybe I saw her at that theater. Die. <laughs> yeah. That, that, that wasn't going to last in real life, you know. <laughs> no, no. But, uh, man, as far as the insanity that they were oh. pulling off with this movie. I mean, everything. They had this whole, like, cage full of, of crazed cannibal women. Down Which they never the explained. And I loved it. Isn't they that never beautiful? They explained to you. Like, why? Why did they turn crazy cannibal? <laughs> exactly. It was all part of this weird, like, slave trade thing that Master Sardu had set up. He was like an international slave trader. And uh, these were apparently the women that he would ship off. Like, literally ship them. But you know what got me? He never trained them. Oh, no, no, no. Of course He got not. them to eat human flesh, <laughs> yeah. but he never trained them. <laughs> this is why this movie was acceptable. You see where I'm yeah. going? Yeah, it's the it's lunacy. So, it's just ludicrous, but it's such loveliness. Oh, it is. And as far as horror goes, there's yeah. plenty oh, to, to feed off of, man. You oh, got God. a lot of craziness. You know, the... The very first, I think, horrific things, and I'm not going to try to give too much away here. Yeah, I, yeah, yeah, you know, yeah, if people hot. haven't seen this yet, and shame on you. I'm you sure they haven't, this, though. I'm sure. Oh, well, you have to see this. Um, you know, you see the smashing. They're, they're showing the stage show, and you see they're smashing that finger in the oh, vice oh. really slowly. And you hear oh. they have little sound effects of the cracking going on there. And the next thing, they put the head in the that 
big vice oh, thing god. also <laughs> yeah oh my god you just remember them all and then then the depravity that they did to these women oh yeah i just remember okay i don't know how to do this but like you're, you're just let's say you're an audience member you're listening to this okay you have a rope in your mouth that if you let go of this rope it will chop your head off a guillotine will chop your head off now you're being tortured on the <laughs> other side to make you want to drop this rope and just the idea of putting a person in that situation still makes me squirm dude oh my god I'm both. squirming now. Uh, like, I don't know if you hear it in my voice, but I'm all squirmed out. <laughs> you are totally squirmed out. And so am I. Dude, I, I just can't. I'm picturing it right now. And it's like. Yes. I, 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 and it's unforgettable. Unforgettable. How you, now, how do you as a writer tell this to your actors and actresses? That's beyond me. And I think that is so much of the brilliance of this. Like, literally, yes. how do you take a pen to paper? And, yes. and and script this all out and storyboard this all out and sell this to whoever is backing this film and then be able to communicate that to your cast and actually sign up actors that did a great job. You know, is, everyone, there, is there any everyone. weak acting in this whatsoever? No, I mean, it's everyone good. was believable. Yeah. And they all seemed like Shakespearean actors. Yes. It was just like, oh, my God, how did you get these people to do this? Yeah, 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 and and on top of that, that heap of awesome acting is like we said, you know, Master Sardu. Where do you find a guy like that? I mean, Dude. just just crazy, very proper, you yes. know. And yet, then, then oddly, like asex. Well, not even asexual. Like oddly, just all sexual. All sexual. I mean, anything goes. Literally, yeah, I, anything. I couldn't understand him, but he said so masculine at the same time. It was like, wait a second. How are you in control? You're so feminine. You're so masculine. You're so freaking fop-like. Dude, he I, he goes into that whole homosexual necrophilia by yeah, the end yeah. of the film. It's like he's, <laughs> he, he is the kind of thing that does disturbs your mind. Yeah. And that actually is what I liked about this film, you know. Yeah. And, you know, here's the thing about, okay, actually, I don't know if you wanted to keep on this for a little while, mm -hmm. but this film kind of transitions to my next film. Absolutely, absolutely. So before we get to this transition, because this is this is perfect right here, um, what rating would you give this out of ten? Because obviously we're both going to recommend oh, this to wow. people, um, recommend this to any horror fan out there, any exploitation kind of fan. I mean, this is crazy. Um, so out of ten, man, what, out of how, 10, you man, like I got a wow. Hey, just to not give a ten. <laughs> I got to give it a nine because I feel like it's a must see. Mm -hmm. Like, I'm not going to try to tell the audience it's at the scale of filmmaking that, you know, your Friday the 13th original or whatever you consider the pinnacle is. But it's just such a must see that I have to give it a nine. Oh, that's awesome. It's a whole different animal than friday the 13th or halloween yes. or even texas chainsaw i mean it's a whole different even the next movie we're going to talk about man this is it's it's so unique yes you, know, you, you can't find anything outside of porn and then you right. get into that whole thing that's that's gonna go where this movie went without really going into full-scale porn like i said so right man. 
It's, oh. and, and then to be able to keep the humor about it at the same time. Yes. Which is so difficult <laughs> to do. I mean, it's just anything like this now would be so depraved that I wouldn't want to watch it. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. They you know? could not make this nowadays by any no. means. Um, I'm going to I'm just going to come in one lower than you on this. I'm just going to say 8 out of 10, but I do think you got to go watch it. Absolutely brilliant. Uh, just uh, brilliantly and humorously offensive, you know, on, on every <laughs> That's a level. Wonderful way. That's a wonderful it way. It is to wonderful. It. And it's brilliantly <laughs> offensive. <laughs> <laughs> it, it's I, I don't know. But 8 out of 10, this is a must-see. It's a cult classic, so you have mm. heard of it before. And, mm. uh, yeah, yeah, absolutely. So let's go to our next one, man. You, yes. You know, we're, we're segueing right into a movie. Now, this is a remake. And uh, what did you pick for us on, on our second film here tonight? I Spit on Your Grave, 2010. Ooh, Ooh remake. Now, let me tell you why I picked this one. Mm-hmm. It was among... The I can rent this at my video store when I'm 12 to see craziness. So I rented the original, okay? The original, we all know about the original, and I'm not going to get into it. I was invited to a private screening of the remake. Knowing that I felt very similar to uh, uh, Bloodsucking Freaks about the same time period and, you know, being a kid and everything... I was so excited going into this film. Now, should I tell the audience a little bit about this film? Uh, a little bit. I'll just give a brief synopsis, oh, you cool, know, cool. because it's it's actually very, very similar to the original, um, yeah. which most people out there have seen. But the remake is we have this young, attractive writer, and she's probably in her 20s, mm-hmm. and uh, she decides, needs some inspiration to write. And she goes out into the middle of nowhere, and she rents this cabin in the middle of the woods, like nowhere, literally nowhere. And I don't think, I don't think they ever give like a real exact location. No, no. Um, but it's, it's out there. And, uh, she stops at a gas station, kind of runs into the wrong people. And, uh, they end up finding out where she is and, uh, they're not very nice to her. Um, she kind of pisses them off, uh, in a couple of ways inadvertently. Cause it's a very sweet, trusting girl here Mm -hmm. you know very Mm -hmm. very nice girl from the city and she just wants to get out into nature and write but uh these people out there have some very different ideas for her because she's Mm. she's a a very attractive girl and uh so they do some really terrible things to her leave her for dead in the woods but the important thing is she is not dead and she is really really upset at what they did to her and she exacts her revenge on each and every one of them in some very, very creative ways. And we'll just go with that. That was so. a great synopsis, dude. <laughs> wow, you should write synopsis for a living. Oh, thanks, that was man. actually a great synopsis of this film. <laughs> oh, All of a sudden, I want to change my whole opinion. <laughs> oh, no way. Wow. Wow, thank oh, you. God. Thank you. That's cool. Yeah. So, so why'd you go with this uh, to talk about tonight as opposed All to right. the original? So, because of my instant, you know, initiation into horror, when I was watching, like, a lot of just, you know, gratuitous nudity, for lack of a better word, 
I had an instant in interest into this film and its, its uh, original version. The original version scared me, though, because I was so not interested in the fact that she was naked. I was so interested in the fact that I wanted her to get out of this fucking movie. Right. So the new film, I felt like I was watching... Uh, I felt like I was just watching a, a woman get tortured for a while that I kind of knew was going to happen, but, like, just... A little glorified. I, I didn't enjoy the way it was. It wasn't like the way that I felt this in the original. I felt this one woman isolated. I almost felt like this film was shot too well, if that mm -hmm. makes any sense. Absolutely. You know, so like I'm watching these grotesque things shot way too well and like never really stop seeing this woman be attractive to be honest like she was always attractive in this film yeah which is no fault of her own it's you know other people are creating this this world but then i think that the films of the last few years maybe even a decade have become about watching human beings just get tortured as grotesquely and long as you can stand it and i feel like i use this film because although the first film was all about that, the, uh, the blood-sucking freaks, it had a lot more going on. Mm -hmm. And I feel like, and I spit on your grave, the remake, I didn't feel for anyone actually involved in the film. I felt like the girl was wronged, but I didn't even feel for her. I felt like I was, she became like this strong Laura Croft girl that I never thought was going to be in trouble again. And... It, there was no risk for her, and it, it just, I just, nothing against her performance. I think she's a strong actress. I just felt like the whole film just wanted me to be grossed out. I can see that. I can see that. Do you classify this then, and do you even, like, adhere to this whole, like, torture porn? We hear so much about torture porn. You watch Saw and, and Hostel, things like that, and people are like, torture porn. And I hate that term personally. I, you know, I think if you've actually seen real, real torture porn, then you you would not apply that to you know horror movies that do that. But in the kind of mainstream pop culture, do you think this is pretty much a torture porn kind of kind of film? I've never heard that phrase before, and I gotta be honest, oh, really? like, yeah, no, I never heard that phrase, but you know. For lack of a better phrase, it definitely falls into that category if that's what they're using, like the hostels and the saws. Mm -hmm. And it's like, I think they, there's a point where they rely on you being grossed out as opposed to that feeling of, oh, God, I hope you get away. Or, oh, my God, it's so scary. Don't go in there. Or like the, the other, like, I don't know mm -hmm. if I would use the torture porn because I agree with you. Torture porn isn't. Maybe you know you you know you don't want that on the screen, right. <laughs> you know. And this this isn't that because it's definitely like fantastical stuff, you know, like a dude being dropped into a vat of acid, and you know, it's like yeah, that's pretty terrible, you know. Yeah. But I don't. I mean, I don't think I need to watch that. You know what I mean? Yep. You're right. You talked about the characters, and I think really, interestingly enough, the only character that you get most invested in in this film is the sheriff, which he, he doesn't appear in the original uh, 1978 no. version. But I thought that was a great addition to this. I thought he was an interesting addition, but it also kind of let the boys off the hook a little because they had yeah. like a, 
a warden, like some dude, like like the Lost Boys, you know, who had the uh, the older guy who took care of them and like with the head vampire. Oh, really, I can see that, yeah. So it was like, yeah, you boys are bad, but you boys are bad because you've been allowed to be bad. You see what I mean? I I, I can see that now. I can see yeah. that. Yeah, I, I felt like I was just so maybe I just went in with too much anticipation because. I really had this very same feeling. It was part of these movies that I was renting during that time. And I just felt like I didn't get what I wanted from this film. Like, I I like the storyline. I think that it was an interesting way to get her away, you know. But I felt like it was just everything was a little... They just pushed everything to get to the torture yeah. and the rape. Yeah. Although what's interesting about this one as compared to the original is the scenes of the rape I don't yeah. think are as drawn out and as brutal and as just insane as in the original um which the, I agree with you right yeah and I honestly now this is I got to really think how I phrase this all right there's no way to advocate for rape on film yeah like my first film I had a rape scene in it and I have to say to this date I've never filmed anything more uncomfortable in my life. I'm sure. And, That's and I've never terrible. put one in since because it's just been very uncomfortable. It's very uncomfortable, you know? Yeah. So I'm no, no advocation for that on screen. But that original rape, like, whole tragedy that she went through, you were vested in her story because of the amount of brutality that she went through. And not only the brutality of it, the fact that she was lost and isolated for so long and then raped again. Right. It was just like, oh, my God, you're never going to get away from here. So there was a point in that where I felt like you are not going to get out of the woods. And I felt so bad for her about even that more so than just the rape. And in this new film, I felt like they just wanted to take all the key points of the previous film and highlight them in this rape so it was like all right well if you can highlight a rape this is the highlights of the rape from the 70s movie you know what i mean yeah and here it is and these are the reasons why she's angry and now she's angry and they oh they didn't kill her and here comes the real movie mm -hmm. all right so now you are watching a real movie about a jilted woman not jilted oh my god that's the terrible word far um, from jilted yeah yeah it's like fucking like I'm so sorry about that word, by the way. But, like, a woman done horribly wrong, but now the whole movie is about her hunting and killing these men with a Laura Croft heir to her. Do you almost, like, feel sorry for these guys in the new one? Like, what the punishment that they are going through, which is extreme, to say the yeah. least? Yeah. I mean, do you are you, like... This girl is now like a serial killer. Like she is enjoying this, and this is sick. This is literally they, sick beyond. And I think that's the fault of the filmmakers because I do feel like I should never feel bad for the boys. Yeah. You see where I'm going? Except yeah. for the one, the one boy who's not completely all there. Yeah. yeah. Like he's the only person you should have any sympathy for. Right. But they've taken this to such a high level that I actually feel like okay, that's enough. Just kill him. Oh, that's enough. That's mm -hmm. enough. You know? And then you got to wonder, this woman is not good for anyone in the world. <laughs> she is, she's not vindicated. Yeah. She is a now a menace. Yep. She's broken from here on yes. out. Yeah. Yes. And 
my God, dude. It's like, this, I don't know, man. I feel like they just let out insanity into a film. And now I spit on your grave to be her trying to avenge other women who were raped and killing those rapists. <laughs> oh, I'm sure. I'm, I'm, I'm surprised we haven't seen it already. You know, They're probably writing it right now. Yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm sure. Because people love this, you know, as far as remakes go, uh, people seem to really enjoy this. And I don't know if that's because there's there's this weird stigma on 70s exploitation things, and, and now you're updating it for this generation, and, and uh, you know, you're... You're removing a lot of things from it, but uh, I mean, cinematography-wise, and and the way they graded the film, I, I, you know, on plus points on this, they shot it very, very well. You know, you yes, you said that yeah. before. You know, yeah, it, yeah. it looks too great, well, too well. Yeah, and the original one was kind of grainy. It was kind of shaky. You know, it, it was kind of kind of. Uh, I, I guess for the lack of a better word, like almost like an amateurish. Uh, kind of thing going into it, you know. It, the original it, one looked like you found footage from another character who'd never appeared on the screen. Right, he was just kind of hiding in the woods and shooting all this stuff. Exactly. And, yeah, and this one, it was very, very rigged. It was, uh, you know, they they planned it all out and and did it with great skill. But a film like this needs some grit, man. It needs some dirt. You know? I gotta be honest with that. It's like you don't want to make it look pretty, like. Uh, I don't know. I don't want to feel any way attracted to this woman mm-hmm. in any way. Like, I, I want to feel like, oh, my God, can I help her all right. the time, you know? Mm-hmm. And I don't feel like that was the feeling I got from this movie. And I think the reason why this did so well is because of the fact that the saws, the hostels, you know, yeah. all these, those ice rip your flesh off films. So the audience is now graded for this you know yeah i mean you you know exactly what's going to happen i mean how how far in the movie do you got to get before you know exactly how it's going to end how it's going to play out i mean it's the most predictable thing in the world and uh, right and one of the things that not to give away my film at all but like one of the things that my my actors told me from the get-go is that oh my god i didn't expect the format of this film and just the screenplay format, like the actual act one, act two, act three. I play with that. And I, I just feel like, I don't know. I don't, I'm, I, don't, I don't like lazy, this is working, let's do more of that. Yeah. And that original horror movies didn't do that. You know, mm-hmm. I mean, even the one that we reviewed previous, it's unique. And we're talking about it, what, 30, 40 years later. Because it didn't do that. Yep. <laughs> like I'll be, I'll be talking about the original. I spit on your grave forever. Yeah. Uh, I'll never talk about this one again. That's just it. I mean, I'm, I'm really not going to go back and watch this ever again. But I've probably seen the original like half a dozen times at least. Right. You know, and I'll, I'll go to it again. You know, it's got some kind of charm to it that was kind of lost. Right, and it's not like because you enjoy violence to women or anything no, like that. No, no. Exactly. It's just because everything in that film made sense for what happened to her and what happened to them. Exactly. I yeah. felt like this, I mean, especially the chef, the sheriff's death, I felt like <laughs> they set that one up during the rape scene. Yeah, yeah. And it's it's like... We all watched the movie. You don't need to set this up during the rape scene. 
Right. It was that's I think so much of the problem that I had because in the remake, um, she was basically there was no time for her. There was no time span where she could go back and kind of soak in what she had just been through and plan all this out. This right. all happened very, very quickly. I mean, she literally, you know, was was wronged, came out of the woods and just came back and did all of this. And she, dude, I swear to God, she was Tomb Raider, dude. I, yeah, exactly. I mean, this is beyond what anybody could literally rig up in such a short period of time. And that's what bothers me. It's like, yeah, this is like and, and- Saw kind of caliber. You know, killings going on here. I mean, a With lot no of thought. knowledge of yeah. this. She's a writer. Yeah, from and she's the city. She's a little hundred and ten pound, you know, little girl going up against all these guys and somehow managing to to rig all this stuff. You know, with the bathtub and in that yes. that final scene with the sheriff at the end. It's like, really, this is a lot of trouble that you've just went through. And at no point do you think she's not going to kill them. Oh, oh yeah, yeah, you know it. And it's just from that point, it's like, well, show me something more creative than the last kill, right. which is what it and, is. And that's what the horror movies are turning into now. Yeah. Now we got to see a different way to die. We got to see a better. It's like, wait, 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 wait. The loss of life isn't enough now? Hey, we're desensitized to that. So show me and, something more grandiose. You know? Right. And that's, I think, what bothers me. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, I want the actual loss of life, your soul not being here with us anymore to actually be felt. Mm -hmm. And good, good screenwriters, good filmmakers can communicate that and, and not have to show a lot of gore and violence. They can make you feel that, you know, they can make you care for human life and value just the loss and the suffering of, of human life so much more than, you know, seeing this crazy brutality. Yeah. I agree with you. It's been a while since I actually watched a horror movie where I actually felt like I, I just felt loss or felt so. You know what? Actually, I mean, I didn't say that I was going to bring this one up at all, <laughs> but but that movie Signs, yeah. the M. Mm-hmm. Shyamalan movie. Right. When that child couldn't breathe because his inhaler was empty, that had to be the most horrific thing that I have ever watched in a film. That says like, a lot. I, yeah, you know, I was wa- I was sitting this with my, watching this with my girlfriend, right? Mm-hmm. And she tells jokes at parties about the fact that I was grabbing into her leg <laughs> because this child could not breathe in the dark. Wow. And I'm like, we I miss that. Yeah, you know? it, there's no craftsmanship and and really I think a lot of time and thought put into this, into the psychological and really soul gripping effect that this is going to have on you anyway right. you know you're, exactly you're watching people die yeah that should it should all start there right you know where it's like how can i have the audience not want this person to die yeah if you see the character for the first time you see this character in danger and they are strapped into a death machine or hanging over a tub of acid <laughs> I know you're not going to make it to the next scene. Right. There's no hoping that you're going to make it. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. And it's like, because also I know that you did this character wrong. I know you're not going to make it. Yeah. And I feel like that's missing. Like, I feel like you want characters to survive. Like, I feel like I still want my character. Like, when I watch the movie, 
I want all the ghost hunters to make it out of the basement. Yeah, exactly. And what kind of movie is it? And I've seen way too many of them where halfway through the movie, I'm like, you know what? By the end of this movie, every one of these movies better end up dead. You know, I, I want to see them die some way oh because I just God. can't stand this any longer. How you know? many times yeah. where it's like, oh, God, you got to die. <laughs> exactly. And it's like, am I a human being? Did I just say, <laughs> oh, God, you have to die? But that says something for the for the people that made the movie, you know, and the, the thought that went into it. I mean, you have to invest something. You really, really have to love these characters or not, not even necessarily love them but have to become invested in them because maybe, maybe you're totally against them, but you can understand them to some yes. point and you can identify them as a human being That's at, at some point. Key. Yeah. The key, even like in my films, even characters that you may deem as bad, you got a backstory. You have a, uh, you, you feel for them. You don't know if you would do what they were doing. And I like that. I, 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 you know, I mean, I love Nightmare on Elm Street. I do. But Which, there do a, you like all of them or just, just certain no, ones? Or No, I don't. And that's where it, <laughs> that's where I was going to say. Because, like, there's a point where it's like, all right, I'm just here to see the creative ways Freddy's going to kill people. Oh, you're in a roach motel now. Oh, you've turned him into a motorcycle. <laughs> it's like, oh, yeah. God. It's like, what are you doing? What are you, what are you doing? You know? Yep. That, that's a child murderer. He's a child murderer. When did we forget that he was a child murderer? Yeah. I mean, he was he was somehow transformed at some point into comedian entertainer. Yes. Oh, yeah. yeah. A I scary comedian. It's right. like what? <laughs> like I loved I loved up till the the Dream Warriors. I loved the Dream Warriors. Mm -hmm. Because I was still on the side of the people killing Freddy. Once Freddy got so entertaining, <laughs> like, I still watched them, you know? Oh, of course. <laughs> like, I wasn't one of them. I'm not going to watch them. I watched Freddy versus Jason, you know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> yep. But then that was a perfect example. He cut off the Destiny Child's nose and made a joke about it. You know, he showed like, up as the hookah smoking uh, little caterpillar thing at yes! one point in that film. What was that all yes! about? I mean, come on. Because the kid was a stoner, so yeah. I'm going to. You know, I was like, <laughs> oh my God, Freddie, you're pro pot? <laughs> Apparently, he's got to be, I guess, to crack some of those lines you know, that he did. Yeah. It's like, okay, uh, Freddie's become social commentary now. <laughs> you got to stop. <laughs> yep. Yeah, and, and that, you know, so that's the problem. Grant, you know, it's a good problem to have that you have a franchise so successful that you can make anything and it'll just be a, a bomb. Like you know, everybody will love it. Isn't that crazy? I mean, they made you know a million Nightmare on Elm Streets and and things with Freddy and uh, Saw. You know, they went up to what seven for Saw, yeah. and the only reason I, they quit making that is because I think Paranormal Activity kind of overtook them on Halloween, so they. <sighs> decided to put the money into paranormal activity and these these found footage kind of things. Have you ever been tempted? I mean, you know, you're into the paranormal thing. Yeah. And that's where we see the majority of these found footage films. So have you been tempted to kind of dabble in that format? Uh, you know, with this film, I was really tempted to actually do it this way. Mm. But again, 
I'm tired of this, the same things, you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. But like, it, it would have been so easy to do that. A bunch of ghost hunters get lost in Brooklyn. You can't find their bodies and here's their footage. And it was just more creative for me to actually figure out a way to incorporate actual footage. So what I, what I did was I decided to actually set the film in the time, like instead of finding their footage, just write the film in their time and then write another part of the film in a modern time. Mm -hmm. And instead of, you know, doing that, like cliche, it's like, because then again, in a found footage thing, it's like it, your whole film is based on the gimmick. Right. And I don't even think you have enough time to really develop characters. In I, I haven't really seen one, like, yeah, maybe maybe the first one, the 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 the, the what was it, the Blair Witch? Blair project. Witch. They had enough time to really develop these characters, but then there was a point where they did start getting a little crazy with it. Yeah, like when he threw the map into the ocean, into the river. I was like, why did you do that? Yeah, you're not possessed yet. Why did you do that? So like, <laughs> I mean, even that, like, even that movie had a lot of moments where it was like. You can't develop enough stuff that would have been actually shot in found footage. Exactly. Does that make sense? Yeah, exactly. And that, that amazes me about all of these found footage films. I mean, who in their right mind is literally hauling around a camera and recording all of this stuff? Right. You know? In one of my first scenes that I wrote, like I realized that the human instinct is to turn off the camera for a second. Mm-hmm. So like that, every time I got into that, I'm like, no, I can't. Every time I do this, they want to turn off the camera. Yeah. So yeah. it's like, this can't be written this way. This cannot be this kind of movie. Oh, yeah. So, when, when you start talking about something really important or something, something kind of that you don't want on, on film, you right. know, you turn it off. I mean, that's the, that's the knee-jerk reaction. I mean, your thumb, you just hit, hit, hit you know, record and you, you stop it. Exactly. And I don't, I don't get it. So I figured in the film and even in the TV shows, right? In those ghost hunted TV shows, most right. of the best stuff are happen off camera. Exactly. It's like, oh my God, I don't think we got that on camera. So why don't I write the film about the stuff that happens off camera? And the only way you can do that is to not do the found footage exactly. thing and do it a conventional movie exactly. style. Yeah. You got to write a story that you narrate. And if you put found footage into the story, you got to make it fit. And here's what makes no sense about all of this. I am still scared shitless at so many of these found footage films. And it's like, I am so taken in by it. And I don't know why. You know, I, I've seen a lot of them. They're up on Netflix and uh, even, you know, Paranormal Activity 3. I loved. I loved Paranormal Activity really? 3. I was so scared. And uh, wow, there's, you're um, making me want to see it now. I haven't actually, it is, the first one. It's the best of the three. Oh, wow. Um, I, I stopped after the first one because I really was upset with the very last frame. Me and you both. And I was pissed off at the series at that point. And I'm like, I'm not even watching any more from this series. Yeah, yeah. That's because that was the dumbest way you could have ended this movie. And they need to. If she just came in and looked into the camera, I would have been terrified. Cut it off there. Roll credits. Forever. Forever, yeah. I would yeah. have been terrified. Do not show what you showed right there yeah oh, i mean that was that I don't ruined. Want to ruin it for people who didn't see it but i was just so upset but uh, i mean seriously you should see uh part three you don't even really need to see part two um okay, even though so. they are related but go see part three i think you'll you is really part like two it. good 
it's okay. It's kind of a um, it's a, a part three is a prequel to part two. Um, oh. So part three, you see kind of these grown up girls and their husbands and things and what happens to them and their babies. And then part three goes back and tells the story of these girls as they were children uh, and why the paranormal thing followed them into that film. And, oh, and actually they did it so much better in part three. It is so much scarier. Well, maybe I'll watch both of them just to give them a chance. Well, yeah, well, yeah actually I did see part two as being beneficial because I got a little more backstory and it was a little fuller yeah. to me, so but I'll uh, check it out. I'll check that out. Yeah. So yeah, give them, give them a shot, but uh, you know, anymore they're a dime a dozen and you really don't know what to see. That's going to be worth seeing. And, you know, there's, there's a lot out there. So I watched one when I was doing like, uh, when I have to, you know, when you make a film, you look for films that have anything to do with your film, you mm-hmm. know, anything similar. I watched one that was uh, Death of a Ghost Hunter. I've never heard of that one. Yeah, it was interesting. It was yeah. kind of gritty. But the problem was it was filled with characters that I wanted to die. Uh, well, there you go. There you go again. That's I just yeah. I just wanted them to die. It was like, oh, oh no. Oh, boy. Yeah, yeah. And I don't know. It's hit or miss. And there are people out there who are just dead set against found footage and just does not understand the popularity or the um, what these are all about. And, you know, it's interesting. You know, you you compare movies. You know, could you take a movie like Paranormal Activity, the first one, Mm -hmm. and could you shoot it conventionally? Oh, and, yeah. and have it be as effective or even more effective. I, I think that movie honestly would have been a little more effective even. I mean, well, the, its gimmick worked at its time very well. Mm-hmm. So let me, let me just preface that. For the time it came out, its style was perfect. But I think you could take that same storyline and make it as a regular, like, basic horror movie. And it could be a very scary narrative. Yeah. You know, was one that I thought really worked. I don't remember. I just can't remember the name of it, but I'm sure you're going to. I think it might have been Quarantine. I'm not sure. Where Ooh. they're all in a building. So and there, well, there were two of those. Quarantine was the American remake. Okay, great. You okay. know about this. Yeah. Mm-hmm. All right. I liked the American remake because I didn't know it was a remake. Uh-huh. Yeah. Then I found out it was shot frame almost scene for scene of the Norwegian, I believe. Uh, it was uh, Spanish, actually. Spanish, okay. Yeah. Dude, the Spanish version, version terrified me. So much more superior to the but American. Was, yeah. Yes, yeah. that was a, a first person that I thought was great. Mm-hmm. And I just saw another foreign first person that was wonderful. It was Norwegian called Troll Hunter. I have to see that. So many people have told me about that, and I ha- I got to see it. So Okay. Very, very funny. Very, very scary. And just cool to watch. Oh, yes. Yeah. yeah, it was cool. Very cool. That has just gone to, like, the top of my pile now. Because I have so many, you know, horror movies here. You know, whatever. Just sitting here that I have to see. And that, Yeah, I'm just realizing that the foreign horror movies are just really, really good. And I haven't seen most of them <laughs> yeah I, there are so many the europeans dude and even the, like asian you know thing you know uh, you know china yeah. japan korea oh, dude so many freaking movies that terrify you well think about what they've gone through i mean i'm not gonna yeah. say that we don't go through a lot we go but we go through a lot of domestic violence mm-hmm. 
these people, like, just go to Japan, all right? I mean, they're the only people who've gotten two nuclear bombs dropped on them. You know right. what I mean? Right. It's like when you see their animation, you see their horror movies, you think about what they've gone through. You know, the Europe has been through war and famine and just dick, like just eons of it, you know? Mm-hmm. So it, it creates a historic pain that you can draw from, I think, that's deeper than our wealth. Oh, yeah. Dude, are you into, you, you know, we've talked about classic horror, but are you into like real early, early black and white silent films? I'm talking like 20s and 30s, uh, like German expressionism kind of films like uh, The Cabinet of Dr. Caligari. Oh, what else? The Gollum. And... I'm totally into that time period of Ooh. films. I haven't seen those two. I once saw a really cool showing of Nosferatu nice. in the park. That's another one. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Then I, I, I've seen another film, oh, God, during that same time period when I accidentally saw this only because they had, like, a robot naked woman on the cover. Oh, Metropolis. Metropolis. The great yes. movie. Great movie. Yeah, yeah. <sighs> that one had so many more. Like, it, it was one of those films you watch and then you end up saying, whoa, I'm getting deep here. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and it has so much to say, but that that's another whole you know segment of the world. You know, they they've gone through so many wars, and people yeah. people who have gone through these wars are literally monsters. You know, they literally yeah. they have metal plates in their head, and they have they have you know they're amputees, and the things that they have experienced is so horrific on the battlefield. They've seen so many terrible things. Exactly. That's all they knew how to make movies about. That's all they knew. And it was horrific. All they knew was to make nightmares. Yeah. And that's what we saw come to fruition. What, you know, inspired so much of the horror that we saw come out. It's just so deep. The the level of just torment that they present. But yet, you don't see a lot of torture on the screen. You just see a lot of pain. Exactly. Exactly. Yep, it's atmosphere. Yeah, you know, feel it. You feel it in your bones. Yeah, it's really important. I think there's a there's the Spanish director, the Mexican director, uh, Del Toro. Yeah, yeah, he's doing amazing stuff too. Brilliant. Brilliant. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So you know, it's weird because it seems like all the scary stuff is coming from everywhere else, but the states. And what's up with that? Why why can't such a, a a rich well-off country man really make great movies that scare people and affect people rather than just try to cash in well i think that's you said it right there it's the cash the fact that like our movie industry at the moment is still strangled by the produce the the studio system that it, it dictates what they're going to take chances on and what they allow in the 70s and even you know in the 70s and the 60s they had a couple of rich people who would just say, I'll take a chance on you, give you a couple of dollars, and then you can make your film. And then, so they would take chances. Now, that sounds like a lament, but the wonderful thing is that it is changing because of the internet and the fact that there are ways to self distribute. It's going to just take a while before they hit mainstream. Because I'm sure there are amazing directors that are making films right now. I, I saw this one film that was shot out here in Brooklyn, uh, maybe a couple years ago, called Monster Party. No, Murder Party. Murder Party. And it's it's ridiculous. It's amazing. It's like, it's about this these guys who are like these crazy kids who are bored and they decide to throw a murder party on Halloween and they put out flyers 
and some guy finds a flyer and comes to the party and it turns out they all plan on murdering him. Oh, wow. Yeah. (laughs) And it's hysterical. It's hysterical. He's tied in his chair, drugged and all crazy. He's going through all this craziness. They're talking foolishness to him. And one by one, these people, things happen to them. I don't want to ruin the party, the movie for you. But people are making really, really good movies. It's just we have a film system that does like i mean how many radios how many songs do you hear on the radio oh you know? like yeah like half a dozen songs it's repeated yeah like exactly over, over again yeah and it's the same problem with film where they don't want to take a chance on things that aren't established and don't fit a formula so it's gonna really take the audience finding other things and not supporting the saws anymore you know yeah it's like i don't want this anymore i want to find something like you know why the independent film happened in the 90s with the whole tarantinos and we got all those great movies in the 90s because the audience demanded it and they started going to art houses instead of the mainstream cineplexes right that's where the money kind of gravitated towards yeah exactly so where the money goes is where the films will change so now the audience start going online and of all of a sudden, you know, independent films that Hollywood never heard about, like my film, start breaking box office records, you're going to get a lot more films like mine, awesome. you know? Mm-hmm. And it's going to take that. It's gonna, that's why I do things from a grassroots level, because it's going to take that, you know? Yep. You're absolutely right. I mean, I've seen so many things, even online for free. You know, people yeah. put some great stuff online that you can watch for free, even, you know, shorts, feature-length things. And it's absolutely amazing, the talent out there. And, and uh, yeah, I think we're seeing some big changes here real soon. We're about to, hopefully, if these corporations realize, it's like, here's the deal. Nobody likes commercials, and everyone has some kind of TiVo DVR system, right? Mm-hmm. No one watches commercials. So wouldn't, it, like, let's say you took my film, and you gave me $1 per viewing, and you let it go free to the world. Now, it's my responsibility to get people to watch that. You're only paying a dollar per viewing, but you put your Sprite commercial before my film or whatever the hell company it was, right? Mm-hmm. You get people to actually be grateful that you're giving them this. You see where I'm going? Right. Instead of saying, oh, I don't want to watch this commercial. It's like, oh, look, they got me this. They sponsored me this free film that I really love for free. Yeah. And if they see that as part of the subscription thing. Uh, you know, either to their their cable or even even like Netflix is, is such a great thing right now. You know, I, I, I just love it because I pay a subscription fee. Yeah. And, you know, I, I see the, all the really great movies. But even, you know, cable companies are doing this and they'll do that exactly. You know, they'll show you a short commercial. You know, uh-huh. they'll show a little old, you know, sponsored by thing. And then you see this whole feature length film right. as part of your thing. And all you got to do is sit through the commercial. You know, big Exactly. Deal. Yeah. And if you set up an outlet, I mean, like people online watch movies all the time, you know. Right. So if you really set up an outlet where it's like it doesn't really cost you much money to host my film. All right. You put your commercial out there. You already you're a giant corporation. You're really hosting a lot of things. You have computer uh, whizzes to keep things private. Go ahead and do it. Even YouTube should be doing this already. Yeah. Where you put like they want, but they want you to give you a film for free, and then they'll give you like, you know, the little tiny percent uh, cents on the click. Yeah. And they're acting like you're not getting like a film that's ten like ten fifteen dollars. 
You could pay $1 per click for that. Uh, yeah, well, it's not really encouraging people to go out and do this. You know, it's it's kind of, it's weighted towards them. You know, it's yes. all like, if I give you the privilege of yes. being hosted on YouTube, then here's right. what you have to do. And you get a little, little tiny thing that exactly. is going to amount to nothing. You know, so I think that's the wrong attitude. And you're exactly right. You know, and the that, problem is they're trying to set the same studio format of distribution yeah. for the internet. It, it, it doesn't work. Because, like, the fact of the matter is, if there is enough internet buzz around your project and enough people, please, guys, please hit us up on Twitter, hit us up on Facebook, as I'm saying that, death is no escape. But if there's enough buzz, I could make much more finances and fund my next film directly from my audience than I ever could from having a distribution deal. Right. You know, and it's like they got to realize that and they got to step up and create like systems and like platforms where people can present movies, but you're going to pay them an actual worthwhile price. uh, Yeah. I mean, that's what scares, I think, a lot of these dinosaurs, man. Yes. Because that is not how it has been for how many decades. Right. You know, they don't like power to the people, my friend. Right. Right. I mean, look at our politics. I mean, not to get all crazy, but everything in our world is turning to the the masses are generating the interest. And as long as the masses are generating the interest, we'll we keep we'll have power in those those forms. You know, as long as they start to realize that people are streaming the movies online, they are buying the DVDs online, they're going to have to shift their market towards that and it can't keep giving us the what was that the uh god what was that movie another movie that the first movie final destination the first movie was great (laughs) and then they gave us 19 of them the exact same movie yeah exactly Uh, and it's like wait i saw this and i enjoyed this (laughs) the first time (laughs) yeah i can't believe i just paid you another 10 bucks to see this same movie again and as long as we do that they're gonna keep doing it Ooh, but it's in 3D this time. Ah, that's the one. That one gets me. And can you believe that they're not even making new versions? They're just 3Ding the old versions? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. And they'll, people they'll are charge going you to more. see this. Yeah. And, they, and they're going to see it. It's like, wait, you saw this movie. You know what's going to be in 3D. What are you doing? I don't get it. It's gimmick after gimmick. And they're selling these these gimmicks. And, you know, and once you get underneath all these gimmicks, it's like what meat is there to chew on? Exactly. That. There's nothing. And unfortunately, it's our fault. It's our fault as audience members by allowing them to think that we like their formula. Well, we're the dumbasses, like just giving them our cash to keep yeah. financing all of this, you know. And I'm well, as guilty. Know. I'm as guilty as everyone else, you know. Yeah. I guess I'll I'll go out. All and, of us are. Yeah, yeah. And it's uh, you're exactly right. The money talks, and yep, yeah, they better watch themselves because. These kids are not the same as us. They are right. bootlegging their movies and they're watching them and they're watching these movies that they don't want to pay for at home. Right, right. Now, and what if you catch on? What if you saw by, by some chance? Yeah. What if you were out there and you saw Death is No Escape is like a bit torrent out there or it was being uh, kind right of. Right now at the stage of my career, I mean, I'd be pretty, I'd be, I'd be a little miffed to be honest, mm-hmm. but. I would also, well, I'll be miffed because of the fact that I'm not making those billion, millions of dollars and all that. Right. And it's not like I'm actually charging an enormous amount of money, you know, for you to watch a film that you don't know if you like. Yeah. But on the other hand, I'd be incredibly 
honored. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's it's kind of weird to say, but you know, it's like, wow, somebody actually ripped this and took the chance of putting it online, and people are actually downloading it and watching it. And you know, in a way, you know, it sucks because you're exactly right. You know, you're not getting any financial gain from any of these people. They just kind of saw right. it for free. But it, on the other hand, it's kind of getting out there. People and it's are showing an interest it. in it. Yeah. You know? So it's, it's so hard. You know, how do you? It is. You, you kind of love it and hard. hate it at the same well, time. Well, the day you release your film, you always have that in the back of your head. Yeah. Like right now, the film is only, you can only see the film, you know, in the location, in the screening rooms, mm-hmm. you know, or at a festival. But the day you release it, you have to realize that there are people who are just going to do that. And on the other hand, like I was saying before, it's those people that are going to force the industry to open up. They they don't want to accept the fact that people do want to see films made by everyone else. You know, I mean, exactly. So they're going to have to try to start to not cater to the masses so much. And try to open it up more so that, like, it isn't like nine, you know, $90 million for one sci fi film. Or, you know, maybe you kind of throw out 90 sci fi films that were made for $500,000. Because hmm. now you have choice. Right. And the audiences now, like, not even audiences, people now, <laughs> they want choice, you know, and you'll still make your money. You know, it's like you might get your niches, but to force out every other aspect and every other interest, you're just not getting different stories anymore. Yeah, they want choice and they want something new, something they haven't seen or felt before. Right. You know, and you're not going to get that to from the mainstream at all. No, no, absolutely not. They, they're just banking on, you know, what's the last movie that made us a lot of money? Well, it was that movie. Well, let's make it again. Exactly. But you know, let's let's change it just a little bit so they'll go out and see it. Exactly. Now yep. instead of in a car, it's on a train. Exactly. Exactly. You know, it's just yeah. the same thing. All right. Yeah. So we we've kind of gotten off topic, although I kind of don't want to stop. I want to keep going. I this know. is great. I was sitting here looking, and I'm like, you yeah. know, I have no idea how long you actually run your show, and I'm like, I have talked this man to death. The beauty <laughs> of a podcast is it doesn't matter. I mean, I could I could go on for forever. Um, but I, you know, I, I do like to respect your time and, you know, we were talking about the I Spit on Your Grave remake and we didn't get down, I guess, to where we would rate this and, and really recommend oh, it or not, you know, to horror fans. Um, and I think a lot of the original is going to come into this discussion, too. So as I far as I actually wonder if we can rate the original and the new one let's do it let's do it let's uh, all right. let's That's start right. let's start with uh, the original and then right. uh, maybe you know give both ratings and then why yes. you would do that so where would you fall i'm going to give the original a 7 because i think it's definitely a good movie and something that you should watch but i don't think everyone can watch it right because it's very disturbing so I don't want to give it as high as I gave other films. What would you give it? Uh, the original, man, seven is hard, but I think I have to fall there because this is exploitation again, and it's a very kind of niche audience, I think, that is mm-hmm. into it and really gets it. Yeah. Um, and so even though, man, that sounds really high, I think I would have to go there because yeah. it is – Probably as far as exploitation goes, it's one of the best ones out there. 
Right, and it doesn't have like the technical amazement of like I, you know, uh, Bloodsucking Freaks, but it's really worth being in your Rolodex of knowledge. Just put it that way. Yeah, yeah, and it holds a place in history, you know, as far yeah. as film goes and horror goes, and that says a lot. I mean, yeah, that's uh, you see this film everywhere. I mean, even people that have never seen this, like I've seen people, they have no idea what the movie's about, and they have the poster for yeah. it. You know, well, the poster's great. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That says something right there. So, I'll, yeah, yeah I, I think seven is very fair. Very yeah, I fair think so, place. too. Now, for the remake, I'm going to have to give the remake a two. Wow. And I'm going to tell you why. It had, because it's a remake, there was nothing to surprise me at all. Mm-hmm. And they didn't do the remake good enough to make it okay to do pretty much the same thing. You know, it was just... It wasn't the same exact deaths, but it was just not the same. It wasn't enough. But I will give them some kind of points because of the fact that it gets people talking about the film title, at least. Mm-hmm. And as we just discussed, its poster is amazing. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so I'll give them the two points there. But I really didn't enjoy the film at all, to be honest. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, this is really tough because to me, they're two completely different films. Yeah. Um for two completely different audiences. I think, you know, as far as remakes go, you could go a lot worse in this because I have seen a lot worse remakes. Oh, yeah, I'll agree with that, too. Of films. Going into this, thinking that this was a remake, I was actually positive when I saw it because I'm like, well, wow, this is actually a decent remake. This is a movie that could be a movie in and of itself. And you could go into it having, you know, no frame of reference, having seen the original. And, I agree with uh, that. you know, I agree. You, could, you could still watch this movie. And I think a modern horror fan could at least appreciate it. You know, the same kind of people that saw it saw. And, oh, they would know, love this. I think so. And so I'm going to recommend this as kind of a middle of the road thing. Um, because I, I think this will divide people if you are you know, a really classic horror fan and, and you really want to invest in story and character and you rely a lot on atmosphere and things, I I don't think you're going to really like this because it depends on the gore and the shock and just a real yeah. revenge thing. And it's not, you know, it's very predictable. You know exactly what's going to happen. Uh, I'm going to give it a five. I mean, is wow. that, you know, is that, it, it's a very... That's good, it's, though. It's going to split people, I think. No, and, uh, your description, again, was actually compelling because I thought, I thought five was perfect because here's the thing. If you were a fan of the original, you may be more like me. But if you like Saw and Hostel, you're going to absolutely love this film. So yeah. a five was good because you're not depriving it from audiences that might love it. Yeah, there's a chance. Yeah, you know, I'm going to so... give you that. But I, I totally see where you're coming from, and I, I, I can see where you'd give it a two, um, mm-hmm. and I totally respect that. So, man, this has been some great discussion tonight. Dude, and, uh, we almost wow. had two-hour conversation right here. Exactly, and it went by like nothing. I mean, I, I am so impressed. I really hope your audience loves this, and I really, really hope they come and check out this film, and I really hope you can get to check it out here in the location. Yeah. Oh, me too. Um, again, you know, Cypher Films, all the links are going to be up in the show notes. And uh, Franklin, man, this has been a blast 
talking Thank to you, you man. And, and I Corey, really, it's been fun. Oh, I, I hope you can come back and do this again sometime, man. And, oh, I definitely will. As soon as we get into a festival, I'll call you guys back. Sweet, sweet. Well, again, everything will be up in the show notes. Franklin, thank you again for your time tonight, man. And we'll hopefully be doing this again soon. Have a creepy night, Corey. All right, good night, man. All right, bye-bye. My name is Cole. And being part of this world I help create. I'll die with it. Many of the volunteers who took part in the drugs trial have experienced extreme side effects. For some reason, you're different from all the other trialists. You're special somehow. You might be the person to stop all this. <laughs> Got a review of a movie. This is available on Netflix Instant, and uh, you can pull it up if you subscribe to Netflix. This is Devil's Playground from 2010. And I had heard a few things about it, read a couple things, and they said, this is a zombie movie, and uh, Devil's Playground, that's kind of an interesting title. And of course, anything zombie on it, I'm going to at least give it a shot. And uh, so the synopsis is that we have this corporation that manufactures a new drug. And we're in the UK, by the way. Corporation there manufactures this drug that is a performance enhancer. It's supposed to work wonders. And, of course, uh, it starts doing these clinical trials and uses a, a pool of 30,000 people to test this on. And, of course, things go wrong, as you would expect. All of these people that have been injected with this drug start exhibiting very violent allergic reactions. And for a while, at least, they're given some sort of viral inhibitor to suppress the symptoms. Uh, however, there is one of the 30,000 who don't initially exhibit any sort of symptoms. And so she could be the answer to actually curing this. And, and why is she immune to these symptoms and stuff? So she's the big hope here. She goes missing. They try to find her. We follow this uh, mercenary kind of hired, you know, hired muscle guy who uh, is struggling with some of his own personal things and, and her brother and some family and stuff. And of course, it's a zombie apocalypse, if you want to call it that. And it's very the kind of thing where the survivors all get together and then the survivors don't get along and things go bad. And, you know, that's that's just how it is. Now, of course, like I said, I was excited about this film because it was hyped up and hailed as a zombie movie. But as I was afraid of, these are MTV zombies. They're fast rage style infected things they're not dead and come back to life you know uh, they are still alive and they just transform into these infected things um in fact they're very athletic uh, i'm getting flashbacks from day of the dead 2008 if you've ever seen that gem of modern cinema you know that the zombies are like super zombies and that they can do all these wall climbs and are very athletic it's like you know, once you become infected, all of a sudden you learn all these really sweet moves, man. Yeah, you're you're becoming a, a you know Bruce Lee kind of thing. <sighs> yeah, it, it's cheesy and it's dumb, and I hate these kind of zombies. I hate them, and I hate to even call them zombies, but it's like people are so pissy about that anymore. So screw it, whatever. <sighs> so this is yet another twenty eight days later ripoff of course like i said takes place in london in the uk so we're seeing the apocalyptic thing happening in london it's very dark it's very bleak very serious there's no comedy in it 
whatsoever. This is also just ripping ideas off of Resident Evil because, of course, the big thing behind Resident Evil is the man-made virus gone wrong. And this movie used that as well. So take 28 Days Later plus Resident Evil and you get Devil's Playground. Um, now, don't get me wrong. Uh, there's some great looking violence, as is uh, kind of the, the norm in these kind of films anymore. Um, some of the zombie killing is really, really cool. We have some great kills and it looks fantastic. Uh, I was really happy that they did not use much CGI. None of the blood, as far as I can tell, was CGI blood, I'm pretty sure. The only CGI that really stuck out to me uh, was when people are transforming into these rage-infected zombies and uh, the characteristic and pretty much all of them is these black veins start growing all all over their skin and everything and of course that's that's all digitally put in there but they did a good job of it you know it's not bad cg by any means uh, but it is cg and y you can tell um a lot of jump scares a lot of creepy scenes the atmosphere is pretty good uh like i said of course the survivors just don't get along and this is this is just one of those things man i've seen this in every movie you know the survivors get along or they get together and there's some hope there for a while but then you know they just let the dumb things get in the way of really coming together as a as a unit of survivors and uh so yeah yeah nothing new here um and like i said it it isn't that this is a bad movie but I've just seen this all before. I mean, this is this is very formulaic. It's very much a ripoff, cash-in kind of movie. And I just wasn't into it. Just wasn't into it. Um, there was nice cinematography, great lighting, and great effects, like I said. But that only takes you so far. It was very predictable. I did not care about the characters whatsoever. And they tried to deepen some of the characters. Um, and they, they did okay at it, but I didn't care. I, I just... Uh, I think I was really distracted by just how unoriginal everything else was that um, I just didn't even really give the characters a chance. So, yeah. And Devil's Playground, like, what does that have to do with anything? Like, I, I didn't get it. I, I expected something different out of that. And I don't I, I don't know. It might have something to do. Is it the, is it the, the corporation making the drug and, and they're seeing the human race as this kind of like playground that they're playing around in and experimenting. Maybe, maybe they're the devil doing that. I, I don't know. I don't know. They could have come up with a better title that was more fitting. Kind of like 28, you know, months in the future or something like that. <laughs> I don't know. Resident days late. I, okay. Yeah. That's, that's pretty terrible, but you get what I mean. You get what I mean. Oh, so this is on Netflix Instant, like I said. So if you're one of those people who really, really like 28 Days Later, and I, I like it too, but I'm not obsessed with it. But if you're obsessed with 28 Days, 28 Weeks Later, maybe a movie like Mutants that we talked about not long ago, and you just can't get enough of it, you need more, you need more and more and more of the exact same thing, uh, here you go. Uh, just pull it up on Netflix. But I'm not going to recommend it really to go out and see because you have seen all of this before no surprises here you're only in for a few good kills so uh, on a scale from one to ten i'm going to give this a four based solely on the merits of the cinematography and a lot of the effects but devil's playground do not make an effort to go see this film very large very dangerous spider my people call them devils of the sand 
These things are a freaking nature. I saw something like in Afghanistan. So you brought them back with you? We're facing what seems to be a horde of camel spiders. Oh, this next movie I'm talking about, wow, I, I didn't know anything about it, so I just picked it up. And the cover was okay, and across the top it says, Roger Corman presents. And Roger Corman, I got a lot of respect for the guy. I love a lot of the stuff he's done, and yeah, it's low budget, and some of it's good, some of it's not so good. But uh, I'm a big, you know, Death Race 2000 fan, the original one. So Roger Corman, you know... If I see his name on something, I'll at least give it a shot. So I saw that, and I didn't know anything about this. This is Camel Spiders, 2011, directed by Jay Andrews. I put this in, and uh, you know, immediately these real cheesy credits roll by, and I'm thinking maybe this is an homage to you know 50s kind of B-movies, drive-in kind of horror films. And uh, as soon as I saw the first scene, I'm like... Oh my god, I think this is a sci-fi original. And lo and behold, I believe this is a sci-fi original film. And this is just me not knowing what I'm getting into and just picking something up off the shelf. And uh, this is what I'm getting into. But it's new, it is horror, and I'm going to talk about it. So if you are so tempted in the same situation as I, then maybe you will make a wiser decision. A more informed decision that you know what you're getting into here. So uh, as far as the sci-fi originals, you know, I'm torn to some extent because uh, I really want to like sci-fi original movies. There's a certain charm in the badness of it all. You know what I mean? And there are a couple out there that I like, um, but that's solely because they're so bad that they're good. I mean, there is no sci-fi original movie out there. But you can say, wow, that was a really good movie. Man, people are going to remember this. Because it was so good. This movie really affected me. If the sci-fi originals affect you at all, it's because they affect you in a sleepy kind of manner. Uh, <laughs> or they make you laugh. And I like the ones that make me laugh. You know, what was that one with Mr. Miyagi and the big cobra in the woods? You know, what was that all about? I, I love that. You know, and, and the whole, uh, you know, walking sharks kind of thing. It was really dumb, but <laughs> it's really entertaining too. So it's like sci-fi, man. The problem is that they're not all like that. Some of them are so bad that they're just bad, and they will just send you right into sleepy land immediately. And this is one of them. Camel spiders is one of them. Oh, my God. You see a really lame battle scene right off the bat. What this is is there are soldiers in um, the Middle East, American soldiers in the Middle East, and they're battling there and doing their thing. So they're trying to hook in current events with this film, which I can respect. But... Um, they come across these fabled camel spiders. Now, if you've never heard about this whole camel spider thing, I, I did some researching on it, and this is actually somewhat based in fact. Um, there were pictures going through the internet of these soldiers, I, I believe in Iraq, holding up these enormous, monstrous, hairy spider things. And they said, these are camel spiders, the biggest I've ever seen. And oh my God, they, they can jump and they're venomous. And they're talking about all these horrible things that these camel spiders can do. And uh, so these were going around the internet. And um, while these camel spiders do exist, and they are quite large, 
um, they're nowhere near as uh, harmful or aggressive or evil and cunning as all the rumors say. Uh, they're, you know, they're actually just another form of, of desert life. And uh, they're not man-eaters and, and things. That's kind of hilarious. But this movie plays off of all of that mythology all the rumors going around about the camel spiders. And uh, so this is almost kind of like a, 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 an overgrown monster kind of movie. Although the spiders in here aren't really that large. They, they're, I think the biggest ones you see in this movie are maybe like, you know, 12 inches long or something. So it's not like a huge, huge spider stepping on buildings and stuff, which actually would have been a lot cooler, I think, in this movie. Um, so, yeah, they... they kind of get attacked by these spiders while they're in Iraq, and then uh, they decide that they need to box some of them up and bring them back over to the U.S. to study them. And, of course, things go wrong. Big military mishap. Whoops. Let the spiders out, and then, you know, all hell breaks loose. Spiders start attacking people. they got to figure out. So it, it's not really anything new, and it's actually quite uninteresting for the entire movie. You know... Let's just get this out of the way. The acting is horrendously horrible. Really, really bad. <laughs> and uh, so you don't believe any of the characters. You don't care. Oh my gosh, a spider. Let's run. And that's about it. They try to establish relationships and, and some plot lines and things. But it's a very, very lame attempt. All the spider attack scenes are just dumb. I mean, the CGI in here is prolific and it's so badly done that you're not scared you're just like wow how did that guy's hand just go straight through that spider as he was struggling with it that's weird that's weird is that a ghost spider Ooh, but no no it's just plain bad um a lot of the helicopters that the military use that's cg and that's just man man this is not not cool at all nothing creepy about it it's uh it is horror but not horrific <laughs> in the least bit. You know, I, I was watching this and I'm like, man, this is a lot like Starship Troopers, you know. Except, you know, they're not in space. And the bugs in this movie are about the size of rabbits. And it's, it's really not entertaining at all. So I guess it's actually not like Starship Troopers at all. Actually, you should go watch Starship Troopers. If you're thinking of getting camel spiders, uh, pass and go go further down the aisle. Get Starship Troopers. You actually like that a whole lot, even though that's it's kind of horror. I don't know. It's more sci-fi, I guess. But Camel Spiders. I can't believe that I got this. But uh, let this be a warning to you all. Sci-fi original that has no charm whatsoever is not interesting. And I was literally fighting to stay awake the whole time. I wanted to be doing something else, anything else. Where is the fork that I can jab into my crotch? Because that would have been a lot more fun than watching Camel Spiders. One out of ten, because I don't give zeros, avoid this movie. And Roger Corman, dude, what are you thinking? Prepare yourself for the horror. Prepare yourself for the terror. Prepare yourself for the ultimate blood-curdling experience. Blood-sucking freaks! Well, that's it for this edition of The Electric Chair. Thank you all for listening. Go visit HorrorPalace.com. Check out all the other podcasts going on, because there are a lot there, and a lot more coming on board, and lots of horror content for you listeners each and every day, almost. So, wow. Exciting. 
Gotta say another big thank you to Franklin of Cypher Films. Make sure you look for Death is No Escape, his upcoming horror film about the paranormal and hauntings and things. Go check it out at cypherproductions.com. C-Y-P-H-E-R productions.com. So, yeah, follow me on Twitter. I'm still going under the old weekly horror thing on uh, Twitter. So that's twitter.com slash weekly horror. And you can find out about this show, about what I'm doing, and other things going on on the network. And I always like to have some nice discussion with you guys, everyone there on Twitter. It's a lot of fun, and thank you for that. It means a lot uh, whenever you guys uh, message me or just want to talk about certain things. It's really, really cool. So thank you. Um, And you can find my personal website at midnightcory.com. Lots of crazy things going on there. So once again, thank you for listening, and I'm going to come back at you again next week with a lot more fun here at the electric chair. (laughs) 